Welcome to Occasionally Awesome. I'm Nick Youssef. I'm Kevin Christie. Uh, it's El Nino now. <laughs> yeah, it rained for four hours. It happened. Yeah. Although one of the one of the uh, but it rained over the weekend. One of the bursts was a uh, a legit hail storm on yeah. the deck. It was awesome looking. Thunder, hail, lots of lightning. Yeah, yeah, it's happening, dude. <laughs> I don't know that it's happening. There's in like the way s- the snow in the Sierras. That's fine. Yosemite got like four feet. Okay. Tahoe's gonna have a bunch. Should I go rip fresh powder? I think so. I think you should. I think you should carve fresh powder. I, I mean, that's I, the phrase. Right. Right. That's when you're really, really serious. You're carving. Right. Yeah. Probably. Ripping is when you're just casually doing it. Yeah. Carving is when you get serious. Right. It's oh, when sponsorships so, kind of fall out of the so sky. So I definitely <laughs> do that. Yeah, you're gonna be carving. For sure. Because you're not going to be fucking around when you go up there. Yeah, I'll probably be sponsored by Red Bull. Yeah, by halfway through the trip. More than likely. Um, I'm, I'm going to plan on getting my sponsorship on the way there. <laughs> Before I even okay. start. I'm just going to carve so many shoulders on the drive that you get sponsored. Yeah. <coughs> right now someone's listening to us in the Midwest going, Fuck you and your bullshit weather. It's been snowing here for two straight months. Yeah, how about this? If you're in the Midwest, fuck you and your bullshit low-ass rent. Yeah, that's true. But bang. So you can you can boohoo us with our complaints about the rain, but you probably have a three bedroom house that's four hundred dollars. With a finished a basement. Month. Yeah. Four hundred a month is what yeah. you're paying for a fucking home. You bought a four bedroom house for two hundred and fifty grand and has a finished basement, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I got a parking ticket for four hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> My property tax is your rent, so I don't want to fucking hear what <laughs> Yeah, you're exactly. So the, the scales are balanced. There's justice yeah. after all. <laughs> yeah. I will die penniless. Um, speaking of, Oh, I don't even know if I'm allowed to announce this shit. <laughs> I should have looked it up before I fucking... I think I can. Okay. Well, anyway, but this week I'll be in Lake Tahoe uh, at the Improv. There's a lot of snow, so a lot of people are going snowboarding and skiing up there. So let's hope there's like uh, some some... Cool, young, fun snowboarder crowds. Oh yeah, uh, with their weird tans. Yeah, <laughs> they're fucking the snowboarders. They're weird, patchy ass, bizarre it's tans. It's so funny to see skiers and snowboarders like yeah. that that night after they ski all day, and it's just like super red forehead, super yeah. red mouth, bright white eyes. Yeah, it's great. It's like none of them learn how to wear sunscreen. So great. If they never think. You're like, how many? How long do you have to ski for before you realize the snow reflects? Professional golfers have the same thing, but it's just their foreheads. They yeah. have these bright, they have these shockingly pale foreheads and then red faces. Yeah, cyclists have it with arms and leg tans. Yeah. It's like the weirdest looking, especially because you wear different types of jerseys. Yeah, so you get like two or three different tans. Very odd. And then you become like, you just look like a freak. Yeah. Um. So yeah, June uh, I'll be in Portland doing Bridgetown. Sexy, yeah, sexy, sexy time. Sexy. Yeah, um, Bridgetown's a real fuck party. Oh yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, and a craft beer vegan food truck party. I would like you to come back with a report on these sort of forward-thinking feminist strip joints. I want you to go to one, and I yeah. want to hear about how it's actually like. I mean, a lot of the strip clubs there are just like. There's no zoning, so any bar can be. So you'll walk into what looks like a normal bar, but then at the end, there's just like this stripper pole and like a weird, you know, curtain type thing. Right. So it's like they're not. Re- some of them are full on strip clubs and some aren't. Right. But the, a bar could just have a stripper pole because there's no rule against it. Right. But I don't know about the feminist forward, whatever. But if if there's one that's it's not considered sexist in the same way, there for some reason. 
Yeah, I wonder why. Maybe because it's differently just, in that area. It might be because everyone's just so used to it. It's not considered a different yeah, thing. Yeah, it's not considered like there's less of a stigma towards this. Yeah, you're not like, we're going to a CD strip club. You're just like, yeah, we're at a bar and there's a stripper. Yeah. Like you've just kind of been used to it. Uh, but that's in June. That's not for a few months, but it's still an exciting thing. Yeah. So if you live in Portland, I'll be there for like five days. Um, and then what else? Fantasy Springs Casino. I'm doing that April 1st and 2nd. That's out in the fucking desert where real people live. Um, and then something else in North Carolina, but that's not for a while. NickYusef.com for all gigs um, and more to be added they come um let's talk about this episode this is a hot one this is one of my favorites this is, this is fun this yeah is fun. uh our guest is brendan smith he's a dude i know he's a tv writer comedy tv writer and he's also just a big rock dude and yeah. i wanted to have him on because i'm becoming and i've noticed this i'm becoming more interested in like the context of where stuff happened is because a lot of times if i wasn't the right age i don't understand why people are into something i don't get it because i don't understand who happened when and why and so right. everything leads into another thing so i wanted to have him on and he kind of just goes through the chronology of him getting into rock music as a young person and where it kind of led and what bands who was into what bands and why yeah and how that led them into being into other bands him specifically growing up in uh, albuquerque and pittsburgh and just yeah. like how rock kind of happened for his particular generation. It was cool to get, like, the fan perspective. Because, you, like, you only ever, like, s- you know, see the videos and hear yeah. hear the bands and stuff talk about it. Um, but you never just hear, like, what a dude just in high school yeah. was experiencing. And he went to tons of shows. That was, like, oh, yeah. his thing. Yeah. So it was, like, he saw that when the, ba- when the bands came to town, you went and saw them. And it was about, like, how did that band coming to town affect yeah, you know the 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 scene there, and then what like the records coming out like yeah. I, that's really interesting to me now. Is I want to know like the context. So we covered a lot of like seventies uh, rock and eighties rock that he was into, like yeah. and bands that we were like, hey, we've heard songs on the radio, but how good is Foreigner and Sticks and yeah. and and Kiss and bands like that that we only had like limited experience and no real actual like. Um, Nostalgia attached to it. How much is the nostalgia? How much is it, that, you know, that they're good? So he went through like a lot of those '70s bands and into the '80s and Van Halen and yeah. how he got into punk and all that stuff. So if you're in, if you're like a rock and roll person and if you're in your 30s and above, this is like a good episode for you. And also, if you're younger than that, you kind of like have the inclination that you may want to like these bands but don't understand. You know, yeah. the version you hear of them or the version you see of them is a little weird. You don't get it. Right. Like this is a good one to listen to and be like, oh, that like Aerosmith was badass. Yeah, you know these aren't just like your dad's bands. Yeah, like they like, were all cool at one point. Yeah, they're like bands I thought were like cheesy and didn't have any edge. Like yeah. he was like, no, no, that was where badass people went to see rock. And yeah, I still can't wrap my head around it because I'm like, I'll never see it that way because I was never there. Yeah, I was the generation after that rolled their eyes at the way they dressed and the way they did whatever, but. And I'm sure the generation after mine looks at, you know, what the stuff I listened to and went, ugh, yeah. how cheesy, how corny, how 90s, how this. Yeah. So it's just cool to get someone else's perspective and then try and go back and listen to some of those songs and put yourself in, in his shoes. And he's a funny dude and, like, and is just is still excited about that music, yeah, which was, like, cool. enthusiasm, so that's what's important. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's a funny dude. And what's his Twitter? Uh, at BlackSab67, I believe. Yeah. Um, he says it at the end of the episode, too. Yeah. But yeah, good dude. Uh, funny dude. Follow him on the Twitter. It is, yeah, BlackSab67. That's Mr. Yeah. Brendan Smith. He's our guest. That's the episode. Hope you enjoy it. Um, and let us know what you think, obviously. We're always uh, open to hearing that. On Twitter, Instagram, uh, N-I-C-K-Y-O-U-S-S-E-F. And if you guys want to email me anything, longer form or whatever, uh, contact at NickYousef.com. I always enjoy answering your emails. And that's it. Hail Satan. See you next week. So, um, you're super metal. I don't know how I realized that. I've heard you talk a number of times, and but the last time I heard you talk, you were like, I've had a great life. I've seen Rush over 40 times. <laughs> recently. Yeah. R- yeah. Very recently. Wait, that, how, many, how many times recently? All 40 uh, well, were recently? They, <laughs> they played their last show ever of all time at the Forum just a few months ago Okay, on the Rush R40 tour. Now, is Rush one of those bands that does one of those, this is our last tour ever every 10 years? No, they're not. Okay. All right. No. So and, we, and we should to, believe this. To note. the fans' great disbelief, they've essentially said that because the great Neil Peart, the drummer, uh-huh. yeah. uh, basically is suffering because that guy has hit the drums so hard his entire life. He just <clears throat> kind of can't tour anymore. And the best we can hope for is like four shows in LA, four shows in Toronto, four shows in New York in the future. Maybe not. Yeah. Phil wow. Collins can't play the drums anymore either. Right. Their backs just fall apart. Their and their hands and their arms. Everything, right. yeah. 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 Everything falls apart. That's like the hardest hardest uh position to be in in a band. Yeah. So and because Rush is Rush, Rush is Getty, Alex, and Neil. Yeah. There's there's no, kind of no one that could replace him. There is and they would never do that. They're the, yeah. basically the only band that would never do that. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Even the great Queen has replaced Freddie Mercury. Yeah, a few times. Yeah, and I mean that's why I because and I'm you're gonna you're gonna be bummed. (laughs) Rush is a little lost on me. You don't. You said you don't (laughs) like them. I don't. Lately, okay, I I I took all the leaves. (laughs) You just hear the mic drop and roll on the ground. Yeah, (laughs) he's just gone. Like lately. Lately, because I, t- I got a new phone, so all I put kind of I haven't been listening to the music on my phone, oh. but listening to the radio. Yeah, and radio is pretty awful. Yes, but KLOS is all right. Yes, and one hundred point three is all right too. And they play Rush. They play Rush a lot. Well, they play two. They Rush play songs. two songs yeah. a lot. They play Tom Sawyer. Yeah, and they play Spirit of the Rain. And so yeah. I hear it a lot, and I don't tend to turn it off because I know there's yeah. not a whole lot else. Right. And it started. It started to make its way in, and since you're so into it, I'm like, well, I know he likes cool shit. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I'm getting the sense that I may be wrong about Rush, Cause, and I've always respected the drumming for sure. you got to think, too, that you the amount of people who love them and yeah. the amount of times they're referenced as like among the great bands or whenever anyone thinks of a great drummer, yeah. they're always like Neil Peart, that you had to have been wrong. Well, there. 
it bothered me because people. Think it's an age, I honestly think it's an age thing. I am kind of the perfect age for Rush. How old are you again? I'm 48. 48, okay. And I've just outed myself in Los Angeles. <laughs> I'm 39. My crystal is blinking. I will be assassinated <laughs> and killed. I'm only but 22. I'm, right. So I'm, but as Rush, when I was in seventh grade, they released Permanent Waves. Okay. That was. I'm looking that like, up right now. I'm looking at just, their discography. That was right they're reaching the apex of their sort of 70s prog rock stuff and they're moving into like the FM stuff. So I'm the perfect age for Rush being this huge arena touring band. So you're in high school at that? I'm in 7th grade. 7th grade, I sorry. really got into So you're Rush. T- 13. And the first time I 19... saw them was in 8th grade in 1980. No, no, no. No that year, 1980, I saw them and then I saw every Rush tour in Albuquerque, New Mexico through the 80s, through high school. Now, did wow. you have an older brother or someone older that was like... Kind of. Could you know take you to shows or like kind of ushered you into what was cool? Well, I had two older aunts and an uncle who were close to me, and they were the ones that exposed me to Beatles, and, um, and there was a family friend who exposed me to Van Halen. Like, Van Halen was actually the first band uh, that I went, oh, okay, that's mine. Because I was huge. I was also a huge Kiss nerd. I was in the Kiss. I was, I'm the perfect age for Kiss. Right. Yeah. So for those of us who were in third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, in 76, 77, 78, there was nothing bigger than Kiss. Right. But it, but it wasn't just the music. It was... The whole comic book thing. It was yeah. the superhero thing. It was the show. That movie. It was the it was the what the hell is this? It was like our thing. So they're sort of like the beginners, just like every musician learns from that era, learn how to play rock by, you know, playing kiss records. Because you can play any kiss song in a minute. Yeah. They yeah. sort of they sort of are the gateway uh band for Van Halen, Rush, ACDC. What was going on? Because I think when I think about Kiss, I think of the makeup and I think of like very simple rock songs that occasionally, like when they come on at the right time, you're like, this fucking rules. Right. You know, rocks, like there are some jams you're like, I could see this destroying a stadium. But it was bigger, it was bigger than that because back then, you got to remember, the only way you could process music, art, film was through four stations on the TV. Right. Uh-huh. So everyone is watching the same shows. So everyone is going to see Kiss on the Mike Douglas show. Everyone's going to see Kiss on American Bandstand. Right. Everyone's going to see Kiss when ABC does a news story about them at night. There's this band that paints their face and they're touring <laughs> right. the country. It's really weird. <laughs> Are they here the from hell? Yeah. Is it yeah. Satanism? Right. No, but yeah. that's just, so that happened. You're like, oh, I hope it is. Because I'm going to go find out what this is. Like, this is amazing. And then you go to the record store and you see this cover and the, 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 you know, the, the face painting. Yeah. And like, I went as Ace Fraley in fourth grade, fifth grade. Yeah. Painted my face, went to Spencer's Gifts, bought the Kiss Your Face, bought the Kiss Your Face pack. Yeah. It was an official Kiss thing. I was in the Kiss Army. Like, my first concert was Kiss. Yeah. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the Love Gun Tour, probably. <laughs> 78, 79. That's so cool. So that was like, they were the gateway to then the rest of it. Yeah. So once you get into Kiss and you learn how to get into a band like that. Because the Beatles were done. Yeah. Led Zeppelin was kind of done-ish. By 80, yeah. They weren't, you know, touring a ton. 
But Kiss just made it everything accessible. You know, and then the idea that you were in the Kiss Army, that you were like, <sighs> like a minion Gene in this Simmons, global movement. Gene Simmons should be studied by marketing Oh yeah, like master's yeah, program people. He he's fig- brilliant. He's just a marketing guy who goes, I can use music to sell all the rest of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Kiss I have coffin. no... Kiss Coffins. Kiss Coffins. Coffins. Kiss Coffins. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea if he's good at playing bass on any level. He's horrible. <laughs> he's, 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 who managed them? Didn't they have like a famous manager? Uh, Bill O'Coin was... Well, they had... N- not so much. Like they, they made their record label Casablanca back then. Oh I yeah, got into all that. Like no yeah. one else was on Casablanca. Don right. McGee, I guess. Yeah, and then this guy Bill Coin. But they, but they, but you know, like when Kiss meets the Phantom of the Opera came on TV, I had dudes over at my house. So that's fifth grade, <laughs> sixth grade, NBC. So epic. Worst movie of all time. Yeah, that thing was but a piece of shit. Massively important. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like no. those movies, even like rock movies, are never good. No, they're just good. No. Quadrophini is not a good film per se, yes, but it's fucking epic. Has its moments, yeah, because David, you know, you know, stings in it. That's right. It's more that the it's face. about the band that you love. Yeah, That's what gets like, you. Involved. No, they made a movie though. And yeah, you're like yeah, but this is terrible. But I don't give a shit. And I don't even like the the, the thinnest plots. It was, it was just it was yeah. Just the, I don't even. It's like any it. other. It's like any other movie that's based at like like that BMX movie Rad. Not a good movie. I watched it thirty five times. Yeah. It's just like it's some roadie going, You guys should probably make a movie. Yeah. yeah. All right. Nothing can stop us from doing Who, this, so we're doing it. Someone famous write that kiss movie. It's some someone famous wrote it and it was terrible. I like, do not know. It, it might have been like Roger Ebert or someone. Let's ask. Well, the that also came out at the exact same time as Sar- the BG Sergeant Pepper disaster too. Oh, I remember vividly. That's the thing. Bands made lots of money back then. Yes, they did. Because the tours were huge. Right. They were on, if you were on the radio and you had a hit, you were on the radio a lot. But that's because we only, again, like the f- having only four television stations and your crappy UHF station, you only had two radio stations on your local radio station. So right. everyone heard the same thing. Yeah. Like today, it's impossible to break through because there's a kajillion outlets yeah kajillion little sources for content it was it was it was abc nbc cbs pbs channel 32 and your two dopey rock stations so everybody heard the same stuff foreigner sticks kansas fog hat nugent (laughs) then van halen yeah like so queen the who the stones the beatles (coughs) everyone yeah you know and 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 so it was just you just you, you absorbed it all. So was it a product of just like there wasn't that much around? So some a band like Foreigner or Sticks just became huge because you didn't have all the options you have nowadays. Well, I, I, yeah, I think so because I, I also grew up you know, like a part of my life. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I was born in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is a classic arena rock city. Oh yeah, right. like it's like blue collar fucking Sticks, Kansas, the yeah. Who. Nugent Rush, yeah, like they just let that they, the stations still play that stuff there now, yeah. So that was everywhere, and like that foreigner record feels like the first time. And Hot Blooded, yeah, and Cold as Ice was on the radio every day, all day. They're, they're fun were, songs. They're great songs. They're good for road trips. But, they're good, you know. Like, 
I actually, I've only recently come to like appreciate Foreigner because I didn't like them back then. When I hear those songs now, what I what I think of that type of music is the lyrics are always incredibly general. Right. They don't seem to be. They're just kind of like we need a big rock song, so it's like hot blooded. You're like that doesn't mean anything. But no. but the musicians were good. But and have they you could shred. To, like, have you listened to the? Because all you're hearing are those those uh, lyrics in the chorus and stuff. But the song could be about. It's usually just a about of, like a girl, the idea of a girl, hot blooded. Check it and see she's got a fever of 103. Like, do you do more than dance? Like, they're just vague. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of she keeps her motor clean, like that kind of shit. Well, Dirty White Boy kind of. I, re- I was a little too young for Dirty White Boy. Like, when it came out, I was in fifth grade. And and life was a lot simpler back then. So uh-huh. their song, I was like, well, I'm not a Dirty White Boy. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no, I'm going to Catholic school. I'm an altar boy. There's no part of me that's a Dirty White Boy. Right. But they also they also didn't feel like they were dirty white boys, right? Aerosmith were dirty white boys. Yeah, hot blooded is a romantic love song, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> this is about a girl he really likes. And yeah. He's got a fever of 103. But it's yeah. all, it all. I almost a lot of those bands kind of like post Zeppelin. Yeah, were like we got to be sexy. Yeah, like we got to like it's it's tight pants, it's big hair, and it's got to be sexy. Well, the the, the record companies were just it was very corporate. Yeah. So they're just churning out that same sort of product. Like if you go through the old rock books and just look at like the kind of bands that people were signing, they were just signing safer versions of Aerosmith and safer versions of Led Zeppelin. That's all that that stuff was okay. to, to market to mainstream audiences because the, the crowds at those shows weren't rough and tumble. No. They were at Van Halen. They were at ACDC. Yeah. Kiss had too many kids and Kiss was over by the end of the 70s. You know, by 1980, Kiss is over. Right. But so that's why Van Halen just sucked up and made this. The reason that they got so big was that they had this very polished AOR sound, but they were dangerous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they were the biggest, like during my run of rock love, you know, from 78 to 1985, before I really got into punk and indie rock. Yeah. Van Halen was the biggest thing. Bar none. Yeah. On the, on the planet. Period. In America. Best band, most dangerous band, party band, even long before 1984. Like so they were. really were considered a date? Because, like, when I was coming into, like, into my formative years when I was, like, discovering all those bands, I never looked at Van Halen as dangerous. I just, because you see, and, and again, this was in the 90s. Right. So I was like, grunge was a big thing, and right. there was, like, some gangster rap and all that kind of stuff. But when I looked back at Van Halen, I was like, yeah, they're a rock band, but they're kind of like corny, cheesy, and like a party rock band with their teased hair and the arena rock and the fireworks. Never did me or any one of my friends go like, that's danger right well, there. Well, the, the people that were listening to Van Halen like in the late 70s, early 80s, before they got, you know, they had a huge hit with Dance the Night Away. But the yeah. crowds at Van Halen shows, because I saw them 80, 81, you know, before all that... They were the Hesher's band. They were the Stoner Kids band. Okay. They were the kids that hung out by the tree and smoked cigarettes at at break. That's what I'm very they, interested. Yeah, they, they I were, never they knew were that their band. I never I know, knew completely. that completely. Like I remember the first time I saw them was 1980 in Albuquerque. Yeah, and they played at Tingley Coliseum, and it was like 
this army of losers <laughs> coming <laughs> That'd to see. That would be a great band name, too. Coming to see. They're heroes because the, the jocks hadn't quite discovered Van Halen in the mainstream way yet. Jump is going to do that in a few years. That might before, is, by the way, my theory of when a cool band goes sour is when jocks and hot chicks find out about them. That did happen to Van Halen. That happened. Yeah. I, it, I watched yeah. it happen. That's what happened to Kings of Leon with Sex on Fire. That's happened what, yeah. to Def Leppard. I saw totally it happen at Def the Leopard. Hollywood Bowl. When I heard a bunch of bros yell, play Freebird, I was like, this, is, this band yeah, is peaked. That's right. It's this over. band is peaked. And yeah. that, that, ha- that totally happened to Van Halen, but in their, er- like, in their, their early tours, the Women and Children Tour, and Fair Warning, it, it had that element of like, all the fuck-ups in Albuquerque are here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone is high. Yeah, jean everyone jackets everywhere. Here, this yeah. is the party for you guys. Yeah. And we are fucking putting it on. And the lead dog is David Lee Roth. Yes. And I watched, as we, it was general admission back then, the first show I'm going to. And Tingley Coliseum in Albuquerque was the only place really where concerts happened in Albuquerque. It was on the state fairgrounds in the middle of the city. Yeah. And we're going in, and there was this huge, giant tree not far from the front door where we're all, you know, being funneled into one door. And I watched two Heshers from Highland High School, just Albuquerque rats, <laughs> just rat kids. They're just <laughs> fucked up. They've been sniffing glue all afternoon. They had no tickets and they climbed up the tree, both of them, like two fucking squirrels. Yeah. And the whole crowd is like, <laughs> and they get, to, there's no windows. They get to the top of the tree and then this sort of weird, strange window pops open at the arena and their friends pull them through oh. and the crowd went berserk. <laughs> yeah, and it was yeah. like, that's, that's, like it was one of those great moments, but like, that's how important Van Halen. That was. should have been the opening to Dazed and Confused. <laughs> like what? that, but they like, were those kids. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they yeah. were completely those kids, and those. Uh, they, I mean, they were they were colossal, and, and and Rush had the same crowd essentially at that time, although a little nerdier, you know, because Van Halen was you know sort of selling this party idea, yeah. a party life, and. Rush is talking about King. But the reason I never completely discounted Van Halen was because Eddie Van Halen could rip. Right. And even like yes. the riffs were solid too. It wasn't just like he's going to solo super hard. So they're like, oh, these guys definitely rock. Yes. I just don't, I'm too young to party to this at all. Well, and that, that's what it was. It was, it, and I, you know, in seventh and then in ninth grade, I think this, the second time I saw them was, I probably was in ninth grade. Like I was too young to party two on that level, what they were really selling. Because he was selling sex with a stripper back yeah. then, David Lee Roth. Yeah. But it was still this, like, we're at the best party in the world right now. Yeah. Like, that's what it felt like. Oh, you know? man. That's what those concerts felt like. And no jocks. The yeah. quarterbacks weren't here yet. Like, the guy who was, like, a safety, and he was kind of a fuck-up, too. And yeah. He was kind of cool, and he kind of hung out with the nerds at school. Like, he was there. Yeah. But, like, the quarterbacks weren't there yet. Yeah. They, they did come when when jump finally hit. Fuck yeah! And was that a bummer to you guys? Were it was a like, total bummer. It was a huge bu- like this is because you were bummed at Van Halen for doing that to you, and then you were bummed for those guys for discovering <laughs> well, it, was o- it. It was over. It was o- it was over. Yeah, it was over. Like you could see it, and I actually I had a 1984. They come to Albuquerque. My friend's mom runs the like state fair commission, so we got to go in the Coliseum before anybody else. Wow, so pick our seats. Right, so we're that's so cool. We're, we're near the front of the stage, right on the side, you know, because the floor is general admission, and I'm still too small in tenth grade. I'm yeah. too small to be on the floor, so we pick these perfect seats, and we tell everybody <coughs> at school that we're going to go and we're going to save seats, and we go and we we carve out like this. 
10 seat section, like VIP prime seats. And of course, they, my, our friends don't show up right away. Me, my brother Ryan, my friend Bill Meyer, my friends don't show up right away. It's like the clock is ticking, the place is filling up, and this huge, giant football player from Sandia High School and his blonde girlfriend come and sit down right in the middle of our seats. Ugh. And and I kind of, there was nothing I could do but yeah. kind of throw a tantrum and get his attention, yeah. just be frustrated. And he goes, is there a problem? <laughs> <laughs> and like there was nothing I could do. Yeah. You know, he just took, and that's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. You know, our band was being taken from us. Oh, by man. Dicks. By dicks. By dicks. Oh, that's the worst. That yeah. sucks. But it happens. So yeah. where did you? So then, what do you do then? Where would you go? You're like, all right, this is done. Who's well, by, by that time, by mid '80s, you know, I did, I did hard, ACDC, Ozzy, Dio, Maiden. I mean, Maiden was huge for me even yeah. back then. Got saw them every time they came to town. Rush. Um, I mean, I saw everybody. But by the mid '80s, I'm I have a subscription to Spin and Rolling Stone. <laughs> right. Yeah. And MTV is on in our house from day one, from the first day it was on, like the radio. right now, like the radio. So yeah. I'm exposed secretly while I'm doing Maiden and I'm doing ECDC. I'm secretly being exposed to everything else. Right, Adam Ant, The Clash, uh, you know all the early, all the the stuff that they played on MTV, Talking Heads, talk all Blondie, of that, all of that. Yeah, because before Beat It, before like Beat It hit. MTV just played the craziest videos and they would play, they would play maiden videos. They would play those great old Van Halen videos, like the live version of unchained. But then like, I remember the first time I saw Adam Ant Prince charming. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Like, so, okay. So secretly when I go home, I can wear like, this is how I dressed when I went to high school. I would always wear like a concert t-shirt and jeans when I would get home. Then I could like do my secret little nerd world. And I was really getting into like the the new wave bands through MTV. So by the time metal is getting really cheesy, I'm completely ready to segue into college music. And I was also starting to like pay attention to what Rolling Stone was saying was like the replacements. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first band that I that is my pre-college college band. My first pre-college. But in in that time in your high school, how did like. How did the social, like, how did it break down socially with the kids at your high school? Like, who liked who? Well, Because with MTV, MTV being a part of it at that point. Totally. Absolutely. But the jockeyer mainstream, even dudes, loved Journey. Okay. Right. They loved Triumph. They loved Ario Speedwagon. Okay. They loved all the safer bands. So that's yeah. why for me, because I wasn't, I mean, I was decent at sports, but I'm not like the captain. Because 85, uh, I'm eight. And I remember being a kid and Journey being on the radio. Me and my brother were listening to the radio. Massive. Journey was on the radio yeah. every single day. And yeah. I think my my brother got our mom to buy us the record with the little spaceship thing on the, the Beatles spaceship thing on the cover. Yeah. And that, but that was like, okay, that's a band. That's a huge band. I know for a fact that guys liked Journey because they could because the girls like journey right and i wasn't advanced thinking back then like you had to have escape because stone in love or still they ride or open arms especially yeah. open arms was going to be your song with the girl you went with in 10th grade yeah yeah and that was the move 
And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I was, I was not even thinking like I wasn't firing on those cylinders yet. And so, <laughs> yeah. so like, why would you listen to journey? This made <laughs> peace of mind is so much better than escape. What yeah. the fuck is your problem? That's okay. You be dicks over there. I've got my secret shit over here. What did girls like? Besides, I mean, they like journey, but girls what was the go go like of, of my age? They loved Pat Benatar. Right. They oh, yeah. loved the Go-Go's. I the fucking love the Go-Go's. so huge <laughs> for girls. Like, yeah. I, I just remembered that first record. I had a babysitter who was like, she would literally say, like, if you guys go to bed when I tell you to, you can listen to the Go-Go's. And right. she would play the Go-Go's on, like, a tiny tape deck. Right. And we would, like, and I remember just, she, I don't even remember what she looked like, but in my head, I'm like, she's cute. I'll just say I like the band she likes. Yeah. That's and it right. was the Go-Go's. She wore, like, a sweater off one shoulder and would like do the dance, the Belinda Carlisle, you know. But they were also the aesthetic. They were the fashion aesthetic for, I mean, the bops as I would call them. That's right. Called them back then, like those sort of new wavy girls, popular girls. But like they had that Benetton thing and that sort of style of dress that was like half prep and half new wave. Yeah. Like they uh. just fucking captured that. Valley girl. So they, Valley girl. Was, so were, were sticks like a band that were both. No, they, guy and girl. They no, because they had a couple of like sticks. Sticks had like a ballad, like lady. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, but by the eighties, they were over. Like Mr. Roboto killed. Yeah, like put a fucking sword. It was bizarre that that was a stick song. <laughs> You right. were like, wait, what? They Did they change the in there behind the they music? The band. In there it's behind like the they... music, the rest of the band is like, we didn't know what the fuck this was about either. That's right. They're like, yeah. the one dude was That's like, no, right. no, no. Our new direction is Japanese robotics, and they were like, why? And he was like, no, no, yeah. this is it. Because they didn't just do it once; they did it like again. I loved Renegade, though. I thought that was a great song. Well, that's a, well, a classic rock staple. Yeah. That's What's one Renegade that comes sound on, like? That uh, it comes oh, on. Mama, yeah. Oh yeah. From the, yeah. 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 They play that at Steeler games uh, when the Steelers are about to like win the game. Yeah. <laughs> they, crank, they crank Renegade live and the whole crowd goes crazy. They That's like, the thing. A lot of these bands are like, yeah, Domo yeah. Arigato sucks. But you're like, no, there's one song where they had it for a second. Yeah. Renegade, think, like, anytime that comes on the radio, I'm like, pause everything, listen to the song. <laughs> it's but, great. But for like people a couple years older than me, that was sort of their thing. Because all that arena rock was so new in the early mid-70s. Yeah. Being able to smoke weed freely without being worried about being busted. Whoa. You know what I mean? Like, that's how sticks hit. Yeah. For, for, so, for people who are like four or five years older than me, that's their thing. Right. You know? Okay. Fuck, that's crazy. Yeah. But, like, but the other bands that the, the, the... So, the bands were divvied up. Like, in my high school... There were still the, the those of us who were in who were sort of felt like we were outcasts and we like ACDC and Ozzy and Dio and Maiden right. and Priest. Right. Huge. And yeah. they came all those bands came to Albuquerque, so we had that thing. Did the new wave bands come to Albuquerque? No. You couldn't I did see, see the fix. Because I love the fix. And Fuck they yeah. Came, they came and they played a small place. It was the fix uh uh modern uh, no a uh, fix missing persons Whoa. and flock seagulls. Oh wow. Wow, that's cool. But it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't quite the same. It didn't have that like punch of like I watched Dio fight a dragon with a lady. Yeah. <laughs> it's kinda hard to you, you can't beat that. You can't beat you know oh, what I mean? Man. Like it's it's like eh, it's not the yeah, same. And yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. have any of that stuff. Yeah. You know? Ozzy, like, you know, the Diary of a Madman tour, there's a giant hand in a, a colossal hand in the middle of the stage. And then there's an explosion, and then there's smoke, and then there's Ozzy. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you're like, what the? This is yeah. the well, best I re- thing I've where ever I grew seen up, in my life. When I, I remember being a kid and there was a record store in our in the town we grew up in, but it was probably gone by the time you were on walking around Foothill on your own. What, it what was, was by, it you know the uh, where the Osh, or the Do It Center on Foothill is? Yeah, that was gone. There was a record store there. And I know this because my mom went there. I liked Twisted Sister because I heard her on the radio. Yeah, you did. And my mom got really worried. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> and she got really worried about me liking Twisted Sister. Right. So she went to the record store and was, and I think wanted to get me and my brother something that would get us away from Twisted Sister because of all the makeup. So she came home with a Dawkins seven inch. No, that we listened to. I don't know. We listened to it once and we're like, "This sucks." Into the fire, maybe. Probably. I mean, she went to a record store and was like, "What's a rock song for my two sons?" And they were like, "Here's this Dawkins forty five. Do you remember any of the songs that were on? No, no. We did. We literally. It's not love. I wouldn't even know it. I've (laughs) never liked (laughs) Dawkins. Even that I, seven inch, it, none of it on there. Where you're like, okay, no, we, I didn't. I think we probably listened to it once and then put a Journey record back on. That's amazing. But wow. I, I remember going to that amazing. record store because I really loved Duran Duran, and the yes, record store sold. I they sold Duran Duran headbands, of which yep. I bought, and pins. So I would go there to buy like a pin, and I would look through all the records, and the Aussie record covers scared me like a horror movie. That's right. The one where he's got like blood on his tongue. And just the Diary of a Madman or whatever, they were terrifying to me. And then one of our babysitters, we would get dropped off at his house, and the and her brother had Scorpions posters. Yep. The one with the forks over the eyes. Blackout. It literally, I was like, I don't like looking at that because I'm seven, and this scares me for real. Right. But I remember he was nice. I was like, I remember being afraid of him because I was like, if you like that, you're gonna like. I'm afraid of you because you like that scary thing. But that was the goal. that was my goal. Yeah, that was my to goal. To scare Even people. I went to a prep school. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that was my goal to be like back off. Like, yeah, I like this stuff. I'm yeah. allowed to go see this stuff. Yeah. So give me space. That man. one Eddie cover where he's got the axe and blood's coming off of it. I remember Kill being us. like. That is the sweetest drawing I've ever seen. I'm right. still sort of afraid of it. Yeah, you're supposed to be. Well, that was yeah. remember though. That was the edge at that time. Maiden was the edge. Just as Kiss was the edge in 1976, Maiden was the most sort of far out thing in 1981, 1980-81. They're the edge. Do you think Maiden was the edge musically or was it visual? Both. Okay. Completely both. Because they were a little bit faster. Yeah. They, they had were, a haunted appeal to them. They were a haunted the, appeal, but all their songs are basically about, you know, war and peace yeah. and his history and... Yeah, uh, there's a, actually an on there's a blog that's like the history of Maiden. Like you can learn about history. You can learn about Alexander the Great. You can learn about the Crimean Prussian War. Yeah. yeah, you know through Maiden songs. But like, but musically and imagery and everything, they were the edge. It just felt like they were the most dangerous thing at that time. Yeah, they're going to be replaced by Motley Crue. Then they're going to be replaced by Metallica in, in terms of like what the edge is. How many yeah. college essays do you think cited <laughs> like Iron Maiden? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, um, I mean, how many Tolkien yeah. essays cited Led Zeppelin? I, right. I may have used Maiden in my college entrance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the album Killers, they cite <laughs> Alexander the Great conquered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I quote the great Bruce <laughs> Dickinson. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going On track four. Yeah. In a month. Well, Wait, I, he was at the forum. They got two oh, shit. Are, at the forum. Are there still tickets? Probably not. There are there are seats available on some of those uh, seat apps. Barry's tickets. Stub Stub Hub. Hub. For those yeah. of us who are in the Maiden fan club. <laughs> <laughs> 
we have uh, floor seats. Yeah. It's, uh, it's I mean, he floor. was on my nice. he was on my best frontman honorable mention list because he is you know sword high leg kicks white spandex as good as he's ever been beautiful hair That's as cool. good as he's ever been to this day flies the plane. Oh shit! Really? Which it, are you, you, do you not? You not He's like an expert are you fencer not aware too. About this? Well, at one time he was ranked number seven in the world <laughs> as a fencer. As a fencer. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no! Hold on! I'm about to blow your mind. Is this guy going to become my new Hold hero? Oh, Time out. Jesus! <laughs> you both need to go and rent or buy <laughs> Iron Maiden Flight Six Six Six, the DVD, which is, gives you a little history of the band, but takes you on this particular 2008 tour okay. as Bruce. Flies the outfitted Ed Force One plane around the world. I've seen the plane. It's awesome. Okay. Flight this six. year, the plane is bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, whatever the next level up yeah. is the Book of Souls uh, tour. Uh-huh. So they take full band, full gear, full set, full crew on the plane. Oh, Whoa. And because of guidelines of flying, if Bruce has enough rest, he's the captain, not the co-captain. Not the guy in the cabin. Mm. Bruce is the captain. Fuck. That's who he is. And on the, <laughs> so on the cool. DVD, on some of the Maiden DVDs, they'll have like special features like follow the guys around during the day. And like Bruce on his off day. Okay, I'm in Rio. I'm going to go to Varig Airlines and fly their simulator today. Because I've never flown a Varig Airline jet. What is this dude's trip? Is he a super person? He's like super alpha, overachieving, crazy. He's like Tony Robbins. He's like Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins. But... You know, they but have cool. a huge beer company now that he's hands-on in. Trooper Ale is one of the biggest selling ales in the world right now. I want some right now. But his, like... He's th- doing like a Jimmy Buffett type you, deal. You need, to, you need to just dial into Bruce flying the plane because he's in full gear. He's in full captain <laughs> outfit. fucking awesome. Yeah. This it's guy the, sounds... But, inc- they, but they go, so they can go everywhere in the world and that dvd the 666 they go all over the globe they go to india they go to chile they go to rio where the you know they're just colossal in south america do they because i i I watched something and it was in spanish but it was like acdc was in i want like in costa rica right and the fans there like every one of the show had acdc tattoos like that was like the level of fandom there kind of makes the American people are like, oh, you guys are not even really. Well, that's why they, they can bypass America. All yeah. those bands. Yeah. They're just so huge in Central and South America. Like, what? Skip, you know, to play eight shows in America. Screw them. That's what, like, I at the high school cross street the other day, a kid walked by in a Testament t-shirt, like a 15-year-old Mexican kid, and I was like, we're going to be all right in this world. Yeah. Well, that's what, you know, the crowd at Maiden, there'll be a ton of young kids. Yeah. Especially our Latino friends. Yeah. They, they love Maiden. And so they will be there. Plus, there's like people, there'll be people from all over the globe who fly into LA just to see Maiden in LA. And it's always like that at LA shows. I got to get into this. I got to get more into this. It's super fun. It's just turn your brain off, have a blast. Yeah. But yeah, but Maiden. But yeah, but Maiden was the edge at one point. Now they're just, it's it's very G rated. Like, I'm my friend, I'm taking her to. Sons, ninth and seventh grade. Right. It's their first big rock show. And yeah. They wanted to go. That's going to be the coolest so first big rock coming. show. I mean, I saw ACDC a few years ago, and it, it wasn't G-rated, but it was close. Yeah. It's hits. I mean, they yeah. had, like, the, the, the sassiest thing was they had the Rosie blow-up doll that kind of dry-humped the train. That's right. Which was fucking epic. I Don't just, get wrong. I just saw them at, at Dodger Stadium. Yeah. 
And that was a call. I mean, and it's so interesting. Like in this calendar, not in this calendar year, but in the span of 12 months, I will, I will be able to see YouTube Bruce Maiden Rush Van Halen. Yeah. Replacements <laughs> all within the same sort of 12 months. When span. are replacements playing? They played in, was that September? Oh, they already did. I missed at that. At the Palladium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They played two shows at the Palladium. I was, I was out of town, I think. I want, my buddy went and I was going to go. What do you think, what did you notice was taking some of the danger out of rock? Well, when it got super corporate. I mean, it just, like, that, that, it's, that's pretty well chronicled. Because, yeah. because yeah. everyone, like, when Van Halen hit with 1984, then Bon Jovi is right behind. And Bon Jovi got the girls and the guys, just as Van Halen did with 1984. Yeah. Right. When girls buy 1984 because they like jump because that's what happened yeah then Bon Jovi happens then the record companies just went out and just signed any band that was kind of like Bon Jovi and just gummed up the works with a lot of what bands were what can you do you remember any of the kind of bands that were like that like the the sort of like in the wake of right all the warrants all the poisons uh, White Cinderella, Snake. White, White Snake. Snake actually went from being a really fucking amazing band in the very early end of the seventies, early eighties. White Snake was like a legitimate, real kick-ass band. Yeah, and they went. No, we're going to do the formula. White rock. Lion. Yeah. White Lion is a. That's probably. You know what? That's probably the most egregious example. Of, <laughs> of the, I remember that's White the Lion. Most offensive example. Yeah, your expression changed on your face. You're like, yeah. you know what? I now got, I'm mad. I now mad. I'm mad. I got a little mad about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Vito Brada. Part of my childhood. Yeah. Vito died. Brada was supposed to be as good as Eddie. But they, but that's that's what killed all that. Yeah, which then sets the table for, you know, Nirvana and all that business. But that killed it. Like I remember when Guns N' Roses first came out, they were dangerous as they shit. Were, they, they were they, then did they replace Metallica as the sort of edge at that time? Well, they were. You, you. I, I remember being. I guess I was in junior high when that when Appetite came out. Right. First of all, the inside cover had that crazy Robert Williams painting that was like, "That's a naked lady who's robot been race. sexually assaulted by a robot." That's just. Too much to handle. That was a lot of shit. The cr- the cover was a cross with skulls on it. You're like, what's going on here? And then they were you could you watch them. You're like, these guys drink nothing but Jack Daniels and fight people. This is right. fucking real. That's right. This is like, oh, the Sunset Strip seems kind of edgy over there. Yeah, and, and they mo- live in a warehouse at Hollywood and Western <laughs> underground. Yeah, with strippers. Yeah, and that also Motley Crue was still dangerous ish. Right, but making too much money to. Really but like Hugh, yeah. By that point, you know. They'd had some big, they had like, you know, a, a power ballad hit yep. or whatever. And, but they were still, you got the sense that Tommy Lee would still fight you and so would Nikki Six. I think to this day, Tommy Lee would still fight yeah, you. Yeah, I wouldn't put that. Pen. Nikki still, Six he is might a be little... too rich to care. But he may, yeah. he, 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 his security would hold him back. He'd want to fight, but someone else would be like, Tommy, Tommy, don't. But yeah, you get the sense that he could still drop bombs. I, went, I did go to that last show. Didn't he get stuck? Didn't his cage he get stuck upside stuck. down? He got stuck. <laughs> it's it's worse than Spider. I saw. Play. Did you see him at the Sunset Strip Festival? No. Yeah, they had, he had the thing there too. I loved, but Molly it didn't get Crew. stuck. <laughs> what, what I loved what Theater of Pain. The Sunset Strip Festival. Did I don't play? even remember. Or did he do his hip hop DJ? Stuff? No, they played. What year was that? Hold on. What was the name of his side band? It was you know the Tommy Lee something experience shit. I didn't. I did not participate in that. Yeah, me neither. I, I loved Doctor like, Feelgood. I don't care. Yeah, I loved right. it all day. Well, I was done with all that stuff. By even by the time Doctor Feelgood came out, like but once I got to college, everything reset for me. Was it like because college radio was so different and good? Absolutely. 
So that was Absolutely. 2011. God, I don't even remember what happened. I remember we were just all sandwiching it because we tried to get as close to the stage as we could. Right. Because it was literally on the strip. They closed that whole area. Was it Motley Crue? Yeah, yeah. It was Motley okay. Crue. They were like the headliner. And they closed the entire, from like Doheny all the way to where the Viper Room is, basically. I remember this. Yeah, they closed that entire. So I went like three for three of them. And then one year, Motley Crue. And I was like, we got to get all the way to the front. And that was our idea and everyone else. So the stage is on the street. And that's generally where the pit area is. But you could get onto the sidewalk, too. So... People were starting to do that, and then we got it. Got to a point where we were all so sandwiched in that, like, you couldn't. The air was different. It was like warmer than, if, and, and I'm taller than most people. So if I put my head up, the air was like ten degrees cooler up here because there's so many people sandwiched in together. At one point, you'd get so boxed in that you were like being lifted up off the ground. Um, so you couldn't really enjoy what was happening up there. But were they? Good. I mean, they were good. People enjoyed it. They were good. But we were... Is, Tommy Lee's good, and if you have a good rhythm section, you're going to be, like, kind of okay. We watched, like, four or five songs, and then we were like, we're like, we got to get out of here. This isn't even enjoyable anymore. And we were all on ecstasy. So we're like, oh, there you go. we Fair can't enough. even enjoy it, and we're on the most enjoyable drug in the world. We're like, let's get out of here. I think uh, Motley Crue in front of the whiskey on the Sunset Strip on Ecstasy would just be so... Oh, yeah, yeah. It was great. That would bend my brain in half. It was It was pretty great. They're it's like amazing. the... the When I think about that Sunset Strip thing, Yeah, it's like... In my head, I'm like, a lot of that really sucks. But I'm like, I bet you seeing Motley Crue at the fucking Roxy would in 83 would have been insane yeah. and everyone would have got drunk and laid and it would have been crazy and there would have been glass broken glass everywhere and it would have been the best the I sunset even, strip I only seeing rat yeah rat started on the sunset strip yeah by the time i got here in 90 the strip was dead yeah that okay. was its worst period it was over like it was completely there were still bands trying to do it but they were all the the knockoffs of the knockoffs of the knockoffs yeah. right yeah band all the knockoffs of Warrant. Yeah. It was just a cluster. It had that period th- after like um, all the like the, the Laurel Canyon singer-songwriter hippie artist kind of fell off. They had a period of knockoffs of knockoffs of knockoffs of that. And then when like 80s rock came in, it came back. And then when that when grunge came in, that whole thing died. Yeah. And now it's like I don't even know what it is now. But yeah, I don't know what the Sunset Strip musically is now at all. It's I, I you know it's, it's the occasional I saw Bob Mould at the Roxy not too long ago, Bob Mould from his yeah yeah uh-huh. it was amazing yeah, but I hadn't been to the Roxy in in eons yeah I, I saw Built to Spill the Troubadour and I hadn't been there in years Troubadour last time the, I saw them was the, the Strokes <coughs> in like two thousand eight Troubadour right. is the only place that like was never a part of that would never became a joke like that it was always like independently run and operated and always like maintained like this integrity. But the Roxy's the only place in that whole Sunset Strip area that kind of came back, kind of out of the ashes, you know, yeah. and started doing its own thing. Because it had always been family run and family owned. And now it's booked out by Golden Voice, I think. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So that's why you see cool acts there. Right. Because it's the biggest one in that whole area. Because Key Club used to be the biggest, but now it's like a nightclub. Well, that was where Gazari's was when I first yeah. got here, which was the last remnant of the... Van Halen days. I'd yeah. always heard. You always hear that name Gazaris. Yeah. In th- when people are talking about the well, scene, it's in decline too. There's yeah scenes in decline and uh-huh. decline of Western civilization too. That's one of the guys in the pool. 
Yeah, Odin. And he's just like, uh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But when I got here, like, I, that was like a pilgrimage. Like, I had to go to Gazari's. Yeah. I had to go to the Rainbow. Yeah. To eat at the Rainbow. All right. To see Lemmy at the Rainbow. Like, I had to go see yeah. a band. Like, I saw Sonic Youth at the Rain at the Whiskey when I first got here. That's cool. But that's not a Sunset Strip band. That was just, I lucked out and that Sonic Youth was at the Whiskey. I did, yeah. in high school, I did have to go to the Sunset Strip to see punk bands. Like, I saw The right. Descendants when they reunited at... Nice. The whiskey. Right. The girl, I, I went out with a girl for three weeks. She won tickets on the radio, and it was the best shit ever. What high school did you go to? Crescenta Valley High School. Oh, yeah. But Blink, before they were Blink-182, opened for the Descendants at That's the whiskey cool. and just got heckled the entire time. Wow. It was hilarious. <laughs> and they were like, you could tell they had experience being heckled for their entire show. They had tons of jokes. Like, they were ready to be heckled the whole time. And they were probably having such a good time anyway. Like, we're opening for the Descendants. Who gives Yeah, the first shit? thing they said, they were like, this is really embarrassing because we ripped them off entirely. <laughs> like, they just were like, yeah. And then they just played That's their cool. songs about a girl getting him a burrito. And, uh, you know, and the Descendants were great. But you had to go, that you did have to go. Like, I went and I saw Bad Religion of the Roxy. Yep. But that was like a record label show that my friend got me into. It wasn't like a, they were too big by that point. Right. Like, the only other time this I saw them. This is 90s? This would be like mid nineties. Like to see Bad Religion, I had to. The only time I saw them where I bought tickets, I saw them at like the Palladium. I was there. Yeah, and it was like that was the same night there that uh, Rage Against the Machine was playing mm-hmm. at the Universal Amphitheater, and I remember he's like, "It's pretty cool that uh, two bands, you know, that are saying stuff are playing the same night." He goes, "One has much better harmonies; the other makes way more money." <laughs> oh my yeah, God. it was awesome. Rage was so huge in L.A. Oh yeah, in L.A. specifically. Yeah. What what in when you first got into college radio? What were the bands that were like, holy shit, what is this? Well, it was pretty. It was pretty straightforward. I mean, even at the time, U two was still considered sort of college radio. They definitely I, were. Their early shit yeah. was weird and different I, and cool. When I got to college in the fall of '86, every you know Joshua Tree is just coming out. So for my freshman year, everyone had Joshua Tree. Yeah, REM. Still huge For sure, college yeah. band, even though they're getting play elsewhere. But then it was like, for me, it was Husker Du. Uh-huh. It was The Replacements. It was Sonic Youth. And then anyone that was on any of those labels that were, uh, you know, Twin Tone, uh, Sub Pop. Yeah. Um, and, and SST, like all the SST bands. I yeah. I all the SST bands. Uh, Minutemen. You know, Black Flag is over by the time I get to college, uh-huh. but that music is still sort of relevant. You know, I didn't go s- uber nerd and like, here's a band that just formed five seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I, I will get don't a even tattoo have a of them. demo yet. I, yeah. I, I mean, that was like the college radio station that I was at. <laughs> that was their whole aesthetic. Yeah. Like, here's a band that's not e- even together. Yeah, they don't have a name. Yeah. So, but here they are. And this is Seven Inch from the band that's. You know, but I didn't go that nerd. But all the, you know, Dinosaur Jr., yeah. The, all that stuff. Like, Sonic Youth was like. Replacement Sonic Youth, Husker Du were the, my big three. I went to and this. That was, that was college. High school art program. Oh, close. I'm oh, sorry. I went to this high school art program at Art Center, and I remember there was a guy with a blue mohawk that had a Dinosaur Junior shirt. And I, this is like '92, and I was like, I should probably look into that band if yeah. that dude has a mohawk. Yeah. And he could draw really well. I was like, I should definitely look up what yeah. Dinosaur Junior. I should is. like what that guy likes. Yeah, it was very like <laughs> I sure. should definitely like what that guy likes. He draws better than me. And he has a mohawk. Well, yeah. I had a friend who was in a band. Who this guy uh, Matt Sweeney? He was actually just on the Mark Maron podcast. Okay. He went to school with us. 
but he was on a band called Skunk that was on Twin Tone. And he was the guy that was the gateway to, we're going downtown to Chicago tonight to this club that nobody knows about, and we're going to go see this band called The Pixies. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? It was oh, like, he was, he was that, that guy. guy. Yeah. So I lucked out and had that guy specifically in this guy, Matt Sweeney, Fuck. who knew a lot of the bands. Did you go to college in Chicago? Yeah. I went okay. to Northwestern. Okay. Which was close enough to all the clubs. Yeah. Even though it's just a little bit outside the city. It was like the Metro. Is that a place you went? I went there. I, we would go to the Metro every Wednesday night just to see whoever. And it would be a lot of local bands. That's cool. But like that, like that's where I saw Soul Asylum. The Pixies the first time they played Chicago. Sonic Youth. Yeah. Chili Peppers. Everybody. And then um, that was like the epicenter of... And then once you're in that thing... Chicago is such a small town. They had everyone played there, and they had the best small clubs. The Metro is the best. It's the best, uh, it's it's the the best. best place. I saw the, the Strokes there right as the record was about to come out. Nice. And it was like the, they lit the room on fire. Yeah. I mean, I've said this before. Like, you saw a bunch of kids decide to wear skinny jeans the next day. Right. That's right. It was because the, the Metro is the perfect fucking size. Yep. There's a balcony. There's you, girls go there and they like dance. And Chicago is such a good music city. They're serious about it. Well, underneath the, the metro is the Smart Bar, which was their industrial dance club, and that's where we would also go dancing. And, and then that early ministry and the yeah. DM, like that Nits Reb, huge, yeah, giant front two four two, and that was the music underneath. Whoa. But, you know, uh, I mean, that's that's where I saw my brother all my was into bands. all that music and it sort of freaked me out. Like I heard it from his room. Right. Nitz Reb front two, four, two, all that skinny puppy. Right. And I remember being like, I get why he likes it. It's very loud. It's five. He worked a night shift at supermarket. So at 5 a.m. Skinny puppy would come on. I can't imagine. And it was for me horrendous. But I remember being like, this is good. I just don't want to hear it right now. Well, that I think that music demands that you like basically devote your entire life to it and live that aesthetic. It's serious. Like, yeah, it's not a tourist band, right? You know, you have to be that that thing. You have to dress like that. Psychologically, you yeah, have to absolutely. operate that way. Yeah, yeah, Jeff was that dude. It was like he, he was. Yeah, for sure. He yeah. was like into that shit. That was his shit at the time. Yeah, you know, for sure. Because he had like you don't own on. clothing lighter than brown. You know, it's like that. You can't. Brown is even considered like, whoa, preppy. You'll be the you? only one at that show. My yeah. brother. Brown. I have never seen him wear anything but gray and black my entire life. Yeah. Wow. Maybe a white t-shirt, like a white skate t-shirt at some point. What yeah. were his shoes? Because the shoes. Black they, Vans. Yeah. Black canvas Vans. As yeah. long as I have known him. Wow. Like, for, like that was it. But yeah, yeah there's no but because he moved into those bands having moving moved on from the Smiths yeah. and the Cure, right. and then that was what he kind of moved. Nine Inch Nails was very big for him. Right? Oh yeah, and that's what got him into the, that was like the progression for him. Right. But I think I, I I don't know that everyone did that. But I think some people went like Cure Smiths into another direction. But I feel honestly because I sort of lived that because I secretly I love the Cure and the Smiths and Depeche Mode because of MTV. Yeah. Because they fucking good. It's funny that yeah. there was a period of time when you were into them. They were legitimately good bands. But when I was coming of age, they were kind of a joke to some people. They're like, oh, The Cure, because they sounded whiny. Yeah. And they were wearing yeah. makeup. And then, you know, in the 90s for a while, it was all like raw, real grunge. You know, like get, get rid of the makeup, get rid of the, the crazy hair, and just, you know, speak from your depressed, broken heart, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So they looked back on Depeche Mode and Duran Duran and all those bands. And they thought of them as jokes, but then when we got 
a little older into like uh, our late teens, early 20s, those lyrics sort of started to make more sense. And yeah. you got why the, the kids who were like a little older than us at the time actually appreciated them as musicians. Well, I think it was also we couldn't the see same it. thing. The filter, we were all watching 120 minutes on yeah. MTV. Yeah. Everyone watched that. Yeah. And yeah. then everybody in the freshman dorm had Joshua Tree and Standing on a Beach, The Cure, Greatest Hits, CD or cassette. Yeah. Like everyone had that. Yeah. And they had Life's Rich Pageant and then Document. Like those were like so overwhelmingly big. Uh-huh. Like you just could not walk down the hall. I remember being in high school in Depeche Mode, like sold out Dodger Stadium. And it was yeah. like a big deal. And like Morrissey. Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl. And then Morrissey played. He, he was, was he, were they, he was on Johnny. He did the Carson show. And like. The fans wouldn't stop screaming while Johnny was like trying to do the intro, and it was like he was getting like annoyed. He's like, "Well, I, let's just go ahead." And it was like because the local Burbank kids were flipping the fuck out. That's the Morrissey crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, the Virgin. When there was a Virgin Mega store in, in Burbank, he did a signing there, yeah. and the line was around the block of the most beautiful Latinos you've ever seen in your entire it life. It really is. I think we've talked about this in the past, but it really is one of the most curious things in the history. It's the of greatest. Rock and roll. It's my favorite like, subgenre ever. To know about it. Yeah. Why Just the Latinos perfect love. shiny pompadours. The most perfect Levi's. Yeah. The most perfect cowboy shirt tucked in. They all look sad and beautiful. And that gothic fifties. Oh, like the Betty guys Page in the white kinda, t-shirts and yeah. the Elvis hair. Yeah. I mean, it's Everyone's like, rail thin. What are you hearing? Like, I remember when he played at the Palladium a few years ago. He did, like, eight, six or seven shows at the Palladium. And I, East L.A. was empty. Like, there was yeah. no one there. They were They're all, all there. Yeah. All of them. And the, he came out for the Dodger tickets the whole, available at the time. The whole band is wearing Chivas jerseys. Uh-huh. Yeah. The place, like, flipped upside down. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, he knows now. Like, he knows now. Yeah, no, he, de- yeah. he had that record that would, the title was in Spanish. Like, right. he figured out, he's like, something, these people... Love me in a way that I maybe don't completely understand, but I've like, heard his theory. What I've is heard it? his theory. He said to someone that they, they, a lot of these kids grew up in homes that valued crooners, mm-hmm. their parents specifically. And I'm not going to do my Morrissey impersonation. Right. <laughs> you can thank me. Yes. But, <laughs> a, but, I, but they grew up listening to crooners, and I'm a crooner. I am the theory. That's what they love. The I, theory I heard was that it, that that pr- someone made the the kind of guess that it had to do with that. They're just he's very earnestly romantic and passionate, and they're just a passionate people like telenovelas. Right. And it's just like it's it's just he's so honest about his feelings that there's something in that that they connect to for some reason. But I don't know. It's the strangest thing. Yeah, the I, hair too. It can't just be one thing. It's got to be a combination of things. Yeah. I mean, the first girl that ever hit on me in high school. I'm in a. I'm in eleventh grade, and a girl in my English class asked me out. She was a senior, and I was just like, I said yes because I was like, you're older than me, and I don't know what else to do. And I went to her house, and I, and I for some reason at a young age was able to grow sideburns, so I had long sideburns. Uh-oh. Like, and I did it because of nine hundred two one zero. That's literally what happened. Right. But I went to her house, and there were Morrissey posters all over the wall. So I was a rail thin white kid with sideburns, and I she think she was fetish. like him. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And then, and my college girlfriend was was a Mexican girl, and I think it was the same thing. You look like a sad, skinny white dude with sideburns. You're a Morrissey type. You're not going to hurt me. <laughs> like you're too sad to hurt me. I feel like you could still be like so I sort of from this. Sort of, yeah. I mean, you live. Yeah. You know, in this in. The, 
We went to MorrisseyCon. It was sort of a bummer. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It was interesting for sure. Where was that at? That was at the... Um, What's that venue? The old on, Palace. Yeah, the old Palace yeah, on, the old palace on palace. Vine and yeah. whatever Vine in Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, it was interesting. Everyone looked like Morrissey. Everyone had a pompadour and the, you know, wide leg, high rise Levi's and, and the Doc Martens and the whole thing. And there was like uh, downstairs where the venue is, they were playing videos up until the uh, cover bands came on. Upstairs, there were two levels upstairs. The, the f- uppermost level had just a bunch of like, Fan art and weird knickknacks that people were making and selling. You could just but buy, but not enough and not nerdy enough. I it mean, was some not, of some it was even Morrissey. Some of it was really nerdy. Like there was Morrissey soap. Bought three bars. Yeah, so you're like that's shaped like Morrissey's head. There's a portrait of him in it. Yeah, there's a port. Yeah, which that's really nerdy. You, yeah. You're not finding that at, in most places for any band. Anywhere. But for eight bucks, not the worst thing to buy. What's right, the yeah. Morrissey? Wasn't there fan Morrissey spam? Pictures of Morrissey. It's, it was very was cheap posters. Backwards. Yeah, little pins. It like was little pins. It wasn't. It to me, honestly, I was like, "You guys ain't real." Like it didn't feel earnest enough. Yeah, I and, wanted like embroidery. I wanted things so specific. I didn't get them. And then like the level below that was just like karaoke. People were just doing Morrissey. That karaoke. I liked. And that was like it, there was no end to it. It was just continuous, like all the way through. Where like you up, who's next? Do, doing Morrissey and Smith songs. And they were doing Morrissey's they were, voice. Oh yeah, they were singing That's their cool. fucking hearts. That out. was my it favorite was crazy. part. It was there cool. were people who had no business singing some of the songs. They're like, no, this is my song. I can't hit any of the notes. I think it I would have been it. more impressive to us had 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 we not kind of known what that subculture is like, and we know people that are into it and we've heard the stories because yeah. a lot of it was like I've seen that I've heard of that and but we kind of raised our expectations to go beyond the problem is we're comparing them to April and April yeah, Richardson. yeah April right. is she's, she's more devoted than most right and ha- I don't know she's just like I went there and I was like I don't see any APs here like right. where where she, she wasn't there no she was out of town yeah so it had no cred yeah, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> they she almost had to, to reschedule it. She should be like doing something. There. She was on the right, yeah. She but, was actually following Morrissey Yeah, I think tour. she was literally I, I, following I, I, Morrissey I'm I'm yeah. yeah, It was a Morrissey-related reason, which is why we were okay <laughs> with it. Yeah. You know, the, the wormhole of maiden fan art, <laughs> yeah, especially oh. from our friends from South America who can draw, yeah, yeah. of Eddie doing oh. just imagine anything in the world, oh, and there's fuck. a picture of Eddie doing that yeah. fan art style. It's tremendous. Wow. Eddie's the it's best. Tremendous. Eddie is the best band mascot period. ever. Period. Bar none. Ever. Period. I still ever. want to find. I used to have an Iron Maiden earlier when you're talking about that's what you used to scare people like yeah. that. Th- those specific bands in the eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. I always forget. I th- there were like the the Mexican kind of cholo gangster kids that everyone was afraid of, including me. You know, they were like these tough, crisp white shirts, yeah. pleated yeah. like with an iron jeans. That's you know. Right. Or khakis, and they would walk around all scary. I had an Iron Maiden shirt on the front. Was Eddie crushing a record in his hand? He was Great. in a recording studio. Great. And on the back, there was a radio tower, and it said six six six. Like on on one six was above, and the two sixes were on either side. And those kids, I remember after PE because I never would wear PE clothes because I was a fucking rebel. You know, right. I mean, my regular street <laughs> clothes. They were like. You don't dress up for PE, bro? And I'm like, no, like, what's that shirt all about? And they're like, I'm like it's an Iron Man shirt. Like, Do you worship the devil? And I, I remember telling them I did <laughs> just to see. And they were freaked out by it. Well, they never fucked with me after well, that. Well, LA's, LA's <coughs> scariest street gang were 
bangers from El Salvador in Koreatown who were tired of the other gangs beating them up. So, like, the MS-13 is basically Heshers. No, this is, like, 15 years before all this. This is, like, way before all this. No, but I'm just saying that, like, that there is... I'm I'm super fascinated by, like, Latin metalheads. Because they're serious. Well, you need then you need to watch Maiden Flight 666 because yeah. they go to Costa Rica. I'm literally in the middle Columbia. of purchasing that on Amazon <laughs> right now. Go to, they go to all those places and they they have captured... Well, that, I mean, not to go back to Albuquerque, but like when I went to see Maiden in all the metal shows, it was white, Native American, and Hispanic. Third, a third, a third. All yeah. crowds. Native American, our Native American brothers love Maiden. They were the biggest band. Yeah. Maiden, Maiden, Maiden. And I don't know why, I don't know, like, why do they love Morrissey? They hooked into Maiden the same way. It's amazing. Completely. I thought you were going to say that those dudes were like, bro. No, no, no. What's up? Because they were into, because I mean, these were, we're talking about suburban thugs. You know, they were like, they were just into straight up hip-hop and like gangster rap oh, okay. and well, they, they didn't sense. understand the world of metal because okay. i listened to like i listened to like metallica and pantera and slayer and like deicide and like right. and all these like like really dark metal bands that yep. like i mean pantera and metallica you'd kind of heard of and slayer but slayer had a real satanic vibe to them no question and this was in the middle of that so no one knew what was really going on on either side and there were no like you know blogs that explained all these things or pictures of them shopping at Vons. You, all you saw were the pictures and videos they put out. <laughs> there was no TMZ. There was no like... Because I remember see, seeing a picture of Robert... Uh, what's his name? Um, the dude from The Fucking Cure. Robert, Robert, Robert Smith. Smith. There you go. Um, dropping his kids off at soccer like yeah. in the 2000s yeah. or whatever. And then yeah. a lot of people who'd never seen something like that were like... Oh, that guy's not like the leader of the goths anymore. Well, I mean, like, he never no, was. You're right. He never was. Yeah. Dan- Danzig buying cat litter at Gelson's the greatest photo. Yeah, ever. yeah, shit like yeah. that. Well, well and also Los Angeles. Right, Metallica right. on Rodeo. They're holding their wives' shopping bags outside of Louis Vuitton store. Right. One of the greatest photos ever. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back then, you those bands were also not at that level yet. Really, they weren't even older to where they were settled down and doing that. But even the bands that were, you never saw the other side or what they right. were doing in their personal lives. You just saw. The album cover, footage of them on stage with torn shirts, sweating, you know, doing their devil worship thing or what people thought was. And that was it. So these kids would see you wearing like, you know, an Iron Maiden shirt or like a Slayer shirt. And they just thought like that guy probably worships the devil because all they'd ever see you do is sit in the darkened corners of, you know, hallways or at break and lunch, not talking to anybody except for your other metalhead friends. And all they did was form these crazy ideas. So just me telling them that I worship the devil was enough for them to just be weirded out by me. Did that then eke out that you, Nick, worship the devil and like people stayed away from you? Did that, no, like, not really. Rumor be- like get out there. No, no. I mean, they already thought he's like, got this thing in his house. He's got a pentagram <laughs> made out of cat hair. <laughs> I heard. Cat hair. I heard he had a cat, but then he didn't have a cat. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it never really. They always thought that of us anyway. That we were just like these weirdo kids that always wore black and like had. Where did you grow up? I grew up. We grew up in the same, same place, now. Walker Center. I'm just like Senna. six years older. I'm 32, three. So yeah, six years yeah. older. Oh wow. Um, yeah. But in my growing, when I was young, Heshers were to be feared when I was little. Yeah. Like when I'm about ten, it was like you looked, you saw a guy in an Iron Maiden T-shirt and skinny, like super light denim and beat up Vans, and you were like, that guy may throw rocks, like throw a rock at me to make his friends laugh. 
It was like that's how you felt about him. They had skateboards, but they were only for transportation. Yeah. They weren't skaters. It was like that guy had a BMX bike, and he may punch me in the face for fun. I'm not. I'm afraid. Of him. I'm not going to say anything. But that guy's older brother may punch me in the face. Like they all had those huge Ray Bans because they were stoned. And it's so interesting. Like now you think like, oh, stone big deal. But then stoners were like, that shit was super illegal. It was illegal. Yeah. It was, oh, yeah. There were no weed stores. No. No. It, yeah. So and stoners, that was the place that where you had to go. Concerts were places to smoke weed. So stoners to me were like dangerous. Yeah. Well, they, well, they were. Yeah. They were. But you know, it's interesting because now modern day maiden, it's the, this is the crowd. Yeah. Truly. I mean, it's yeah. really, it's the, it's the G, it's family, it's it's dads with kids. Yeah, when I saw ACDC, there same, was same tons of 50-year-old dudes with like a 12-year-old kid. Yep. And you were yeah. like, that's cool. I saw Tom Morello with his kids at Dodger Stadium. Great. And I'm like, there it is. There yeah. There it goes. Yeah. But it, it's, 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 it, it is amazing because... Um, because at one point they were the scariest thing. They were intentionally. Yeah. These shirts were made to make you better. I wonder yeah. if, and I think maybe part of what took a lot of the danger out of rock was hip hop getting huge and like, no, these guys actually have guns. They are actually shooting people, and this is real shit. Well, I, that's what I saw happen. Yeah. Like from my perspective of my age, because I'm right on the line of Gen X where like you are either into hip hop. Or you were not at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everyone behind me was. So NWA and Public Enemy is 10 times scarier than Metallica by 1991. For sure. Because Metallica has just scored a $60 million record deal. Yeah. And they're now living the life. <laughs> right. And now these guys are talking about literally going out and killing cops. Okay? Yeah. So there's the edge. Yeah. And there's what's cool. And 13 and 14 year old boys are going to go to that. Yeah. And so all and there was just a colossal reset. Yeah. Of all of that. It took the it took the supposed danger out of rock in a matter of a decade. Yeah. And that's why I think grunge was all about like depression and like self like you know that stuff. It wasn't about like we're coming to fuck up fuck you up. It was like I'm so fucked up on the inside. The leader was a junkie. Yeah. Literally, yeah. yeah, and that that you know because I lived that too. I saw Nirvana for the first time they played L.A. You know, uh, the first that, time they played L.A. Where not, at? It wouldn't have been the first. They probably did a version of like '89, like before I got here. But I saw the the first small show. Wow, you know, I saw them. What venue the is Pala- it? I saw them at the Palladium. Sweet. I saw them at some other weird space. Like, there's a lot of these spaces. Like, there was a place downtown called Al's Bar. There was Club mm-hmm. Lingerie. Like, everything sort of blurs into one. Yeah, because we went out to see everything. You know, um, Jane's Addiction at the at the Palladium in 1991 on yeah. the ritual. Tour. Jane's Addiction was a bit of a Sunset Strip thing that was not. They managed to like, didn't they play a lot on the Sunset Strip and were cool? Because they were very cool for a minute. Well, I yeah, I saw them the first time they played in Chicago at the Cubby Bear, not the Cabaret Metro. But yeah, I mean they were yeah, but they were such an LA band. Yeah. I just remember the first place they played that I saw them here was the Palladium, but they were around. I saw them at the Entourage premiere play, and I was annoyed at the people not caring enough. Right. Because I was like, yeah, I get it. They did the Entourage. They used their song for the theme song, but I was like, this is still fucking Jane's Addiction. Yeah. And they played, you know, four, they played the hits. They obviously got the hits package, whatever they had to pay them. But I was like, you guys, I mean, that's fucking still a great band. I I worked at Tower. My first job in L.A. was I worked at Tower Westwood, which I would also get to work at Tower Sunset every once in a while. For four months. (laughs) <laughs> until I, you know, quit. Just never went back in. But that was the biggest 
record during my run at Tower. Yeah. Ritual. Yeah. Huge. Before, before Nevermind came out. Like, yeah. was the record. But yeah, but I mean, like, th- that era was so short-lived. Like, when you look back on it, the whole grunge thing. Because Pearl Jam was never really a grunge band. They're, they've got, the, they had the staying power to be a rock band. Yeah, they just, you know? I mean, they catapulted so fast. They were like a grunge band for, like, when Two they were in seconds. Seattle. Yeah. Right. But just then, because they wore those damn shorts with the long underwear underneath. Yeah. I think that was the only reason. Yeah. You know? They, well, got I mean, they were a so part fast. of that whole scene. I mean, they were like them and Soundgarden and when Mother Mud Love Honey. Bone was a thing. Mud Honey, yeah. Well, they are Mud- Mother Love Bone. Yeah. So, I mean, they were part of that community to yeah. where they, you know. But they, it just felt like for me, they had a bigger, they had a longer vision than. I remember yeah. the, the, the jocks getting a hold of them quick. <laughs> yep. Like yeah. the football team guys liked, they bought that ten record. That's right. They didn't buy uh, the Chili Peppers, Sex Magic, whatever record. That was right. like a little too much for them. Right. Yeah. Like they didn't get into that. But I remember because they had one hit song. I remember being in like ninth grade, and like they had a hit, but no one bought the record. Like the Jocks didn't buy the record. Of but they, who? Of uh, Chili Peppers. Oh, that's a whole different scene, though. It was at the time. It was it was just the K Rock scene. Right, that's right. It was exactly K Rock was K-Rock. its own scene at that time. K-Rock. In 1991, 92, when I'm in like ninth and tenth grade, K Rock was a scene. So yes, you, you liked no you were either you either liked K Rock and you kind of just liked almost everything on it. Like I liked everything but the Cure. I was like, I like everything that's on the station, but Love Cats sounds really stupid to me. Right. But you just liked kind of all of it. And like I never bought any of the records because you kind of didn't have to. I was like, I heard a lot of the songs on K Rock all the time because yep. those bands were getting so big. You could play multiple songs from each band. So Pearl Jam had three songs on the radio. Nirvana had like four songs. Green Day had fucking five songs. Yeah. And you just liked all of them. Jane's Addiction, there were still right. four or five songs. Right. Chili Peppers had like two or three. Right. So you almost didn't have to buy shit. That's right. Because K Rock was its own thing. I miss the flashback weekend. Oh. In the way that it was back then, yeah. Richard, Richard Blades flashback, flashback lunch, lunch. the yeah. greatest. The, with the weekend when it would be like Memorial Day weekend oh, yeah. or Fourth of July weekend, and it would be from Friday to Sunday. Yeah, night, the top five hundred songs like, of all time. God, yeah, it would just be the greatest. It was the best. Yeah, the I love that. K Earth One Hundred One does an eighties thing at night now on the weekends. <laughs> I'm still freaked out. The K Earth One Hundred One. It's is definitely now weird. That stuff. It's like, definitely it's, weird. Oh, the I first time I heard sad. the first time I heard Pearl Jam on K Rock's flashback lunch, I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> that hurt." Yeah, that hurt. you're only gonna get older from here, man. No yeah. shit. I know, I know. But no, I hear Simple Minds on K on on K Earth One Hundred One. They're playing that on K Earth One Hundred One. For sure, <laughs> for sure. The Go Go's. They play Billy yeah, Idol. They play Pat Benatar. It's good. So they're Jack FM. Yep, kinda. Yeah. I That's why I listen to it because at night I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" It's so sad. Yeah. I but it's who's I, playing the hits of the '50s and '60s? That's daytime. They play that during the day. Oh, yeah. they do. Yeah, '80s. Okay. They sprinkle in the '80s. It's not their main shit. They're still like '50s, '60s, '70s. Okay, but they have now ushered in some of the '80s stuff. Can you go herd it through the grapevine into "Don't You Forget About Me"? Not. It's weird. <laughs> it feels weird. Yeah. It definitely feels weird, man. <laughs> But it's That's good. Like someone's strange wedding mix. Well, like, the DJs huge songs for me. I have to hear them. In yeah, the DJs don't know what to do with it. Like, because a lot of the older DJs still have. They've been used to, or Charlie Tuna, or that guy. He just passed. Away, he just right? passed away. Right. But him segueing into a Billy Idol song was not. He'd be like, blippity blip. Here comes Billy Idol, like Adam oh Ant or something. God. It didn't work. It yeah. sounds odd. But the songs are good, and I like hearing them. That's tremendous. <laughs> 
But yeah. yeah, Pearl Jam, they didn't have a fucking chance to maintain that. That's they got too big. Indie, indie rock, they got, right? They got huge. Because Ten grunge, sold ten million huge. records. Grunge was becoming this big thing, and Pearl Jam was the most commercialized version of that. Yes. And then they just rocketed. Like they were surprised when they were on the cover of Rolling Stone, like that fast. Right. And they were like, "Oh, we're this thing." And then yeah. next thing you know, they're touring the world, and everyone, all their friends and counterparts, don't like them. And the that rivalry between Kurt Cobain and and Eddie Vedder was also a manufactured thing. They took one little thing he said right. and then turned it into, "I've never liked or respected Eddie Vedder." But in real life, that was never a, an issue. I was a PA on the MTV Music Awards. Yeah, which one? 1992, yeah. which was Pearl Jam and Nirvana. Yeah. And I was there all day and watched them warm up and uh, Nirvana, and they hung out. I saw yeah. them hanging out. Yeah. It was not a... And uh, uh, Nirvana sang Rape Me uh-huh. at, at practice in an empty poly pavilion at UCLA, Whoa. which was tremendous. And you like sat there and watched that. Totally. Fucking amazing. I was a PA. Uh, and that was also, I think, that Def Leppard uh, played. The Black Crows played. I love Whoa. the Black Crows. But yeah, that was a big moment. It was Pearl Jam and Nirvana at the... And they sang... Jer- I want to say Pearl Jam sang Jeremy. Because I yeah. think that that was their like current single. That you right. couldn't. There was a while where you couldn't turn on MTV without that video either being at the beginning, middle, or end. Yeah. You would just Jeremy. turn on and it would just be the Jeremy video. It's one of my favorite karaoke songs. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say. That's really hilarious. Do. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah, you can bring the room to a halt <laughs> in, in a certain way. You can bring any room to a halt. Yeah. When the mood comes yeah. You know what, guys? This is getting Throw a little too hard. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. really funny. So when in the night, because, okay, in the 90s, that's when I started getting into, like, that's when I became a teenager and started listening to all the all grunge and metal and all those different things. Now, for someone who's, like, a few years older than me that got into all that stuff, you know, the previous decade you were like in your so say 94 through 96 or 7 how old were you i'm in my mid-20s okay so how did you view the bands like that like because for me that was like real it was like the there's there's never been bands like this these are the real deal you had experienced bands that those guys were influenced by so did you just look at them and roll your eyes like like kurt cobain and yeah you're their age is the king of my generation yeah. So I'm sort of their age. Yeah. And I'm watching this. I'm watching them take those influences of the Pixies and the replacements. Right, and right. Black Flag. And some of them are into Van Halen, you know, like yeah. uh, Kurt Cobain's famous, uh, you know, uh, mixtape that leaked out. Like, here are the bands that I listen to. Like, uh-huh. I had that same. Dave Grohl loved Motorhead. Complete, right. Yeah. And I, I, I know that Dave Grohl and I could sit and talk metal. Like, I could talk to him for a, a week about yeah. metal. Because yeah. we have the same. We went to the same shows. So it was really interesting to see those bands process that stuff and yeah. make something new. Though later in the 90s, and, and also I'm here in L.A. and I'm going everywhere. Like yeah. I went out constantly. I was also a DJ in a club. Uh-huh. And so I, was, you know, I would go to shows at the Palladium, shows at the Whiskey, shows at the Troubadour, shows downtown at Al's Bar. Like whatever was going on, like I, I shows at the old palace. Yeah, you know, I went. I, that's what we did. Yeah, there was nothing else. There weren't that many bars in Hollywood, so it was very easy to go, and we knew what was going on. So we, we, I still had that appetite to see Oasis the first time they come to L.A. To see Blur cool. the first time they come to L.A. 
you know, to see Dinosaur when they're still coming to L.A., to see Sonic Youth every time they play the Wiltern. Like, I'm still doing all that. But then, by the end of the 90s, I'm exhausted from being that guy for so long. Right. <laughs> and I remember being at a Modest Mouse show like the very early days of Modest Mouse and feeling like I'm the old creepy guy in the room. And I was probably, you know, the early 30s or yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Sounds like what, late 90s probably? Mid- yeah. 97, 98 yeah. was early, early like whenever their first, Whenever their first, one of their first two records came out. Yeah. So probably yeah, 97, and, uh, 8, yeah. 9. And I just remember feeling like I'm the old guy. Yeah. And, but that was just the stupid voice in my head. But I started to feel that way at Pavement because I fully threw in for Pavement, fully threw in for Built to Spill, uh-huh. saw them every time I possibly could. Yeah. Know, Built to Spill played the Sunset Junction just as Sonic Youth did. But there, there started to be like this little change in my head. Yeah. I just started. I was exhausted from trying to find the bands. Yeah. <laughs> or you'd find out about them times. late. What's that? You'd find out about them late. They're like, you go into Built to Spill, and you're like, when's that? They're like, in two days. You're like, wait, I should have known about this three months ago. Fuck. Well, th- it's little th- moments that like started that. to happen, too, with bands that I wasn't into. Because right. I just I was exhausted from that pursuit by the time I'm sort of getting into my early 30s. I experienced the same sense? thing at that age. Yeah. Where I was like, I don't have time. I don't have time. Right. Like, tell me, I, I almost was like, tell me about them when they're officially good. Right. But I can't. Pretend they're gonna. I can't get into them in their first record. Right. I don't have time. I give me. Tell me after the third record comes out and they're still good. I will then get into that band. That's right. Yeah. Almost like t- call me when you've won a Grammy. It's your yeah. environment just starts to change. It's because you, you and in your early to mid twenties, that's all you and your friends are doing. Right. So you're you're hanging out. You're going to bars. You're chasing right. girls. You're going to shows. Right. All of you are doing that. Yeah. So every conversation you have is like, oh, by the way, this chick told me about this band, or my buddy went to saw them. These guys are playing there. You're always having those conversations. And then like a few of you start to drop off. So-and-so gets married. This guy gets a real job. And then you now have two less people to trade information about. And then you're just hearing a little bit less about this new band that's coming. Or this that's new, exactly that's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah. I had a weird sort of tangent at that time. Yeah. Because I was writing with Amit Zappa, mm-hmm. son of Frank. So that friendship still to this day, gave me access to this whole right. crazy <clears throat> music world that was also interesting and stuff. Um, but in terms of like trying to be the guy who finds the band that nobody knows about that's yeah. going to be huge in two years, like I was exhausted yeah. by early 30s. Yeah, you just don't... I mean, you just don't have... It's not even that you want to do it or don't want you just wait you're just doing other shit in life because you're not yeah. hanging out with those people and then six months go go by and you go oh this band was in town two months ago i had no clue right. yeah i admire rodney on the rock but i don't want to be him oh yeah you don't want yeah i you know what it was he so didn't make a career out of it though it's a little go. different like at the old Denny's on Sunset. Or see him at Canners. You can see him at Canners uh, every week. Uh, it's, yeah. it's really tremendous. Looks exactly the same. I know. You're like, it's there's tremendous. Rodney on the Rock. Yeah. Still got bangs. But you have to be, you're either going to be that guy or else you're really just wasting your time because it doesn't get you anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like at the yeah. end of the day, it's just, you can go, I'm the first, I've heard Urge Overkill before everyone. Who cares? It yeah. doesn't matter. My friend Josh heard all like the 90s punk bands first on snowboard videos 
And he would just be like, I fucking liked, I liked no effects yeah. two years ago. And he would get all pissed. That's hilarious. And you'd be like, dude, who cares? It yeah, only matters mean. at that age to those friends because yeah, you're right. in competition. Right. You're like, well, I went to them when they That's were right. here seven months before you saw them. But when you're in your early 30s and stuff, people are like, yeah, cool. I just... I found out about him when they appeared on my fucking iTunes thing. So, <laughs> yeah. and now we're both on the same page because we are both hearing it. And you go, "You're right." My fucking race to get there first did nothing. Yeah, I heard about, <laughs> I heard about Hootie and the Blowfish on David Letterman yeah. like everybody else. Because I, I got to a band first like last year from from the conversations I had with my friends. I heard about this band. I asked four or five friends, "Do you guys know?" So I had literally had to just enjoy them by myself until a couple others caught up and they go, hey, I just got this album. I go, oh, yeah, I got that a while ago. I brought it up. They're like, yeah, I don't remember that conversation. What, so what it, band was that? Jamestown Revival. All right. Yeah. It was like a year or two That's ago. Hilarious. And I was like, they had an EP. I was like, oh, these guys are like a great alt country kind of, you know. <laughs> I'm like, these are so cool. I asked a bunch of friends. No one knew. But now, literally three days ago, my friend was listening to him at, at his place and I go, oh, Jamestown Revival. He goes, yeah. And I go, motherfucker i told you to get this a year ago but he was like yeah man i have a real job where i work <laughs> 70 hours a week so i don't remember talking to you about that so now i like it just becomes less of a priority and has been for a few years i don't race to get there first i just get there when i get there i enjoy it and then when my friends hear about it i go cool and i'm not tired of it by then right you almost catch up to right. where everyone else is that's right so you can enjoy shit together that's right because in the end, it doesn't make a fucking difference. It doesn't. You're all going to get there difference. probably. It doesn't make a fucking yeah. difference. I've never. Nope. The la- I've only gotten to bands first if like I had to work for them. That's it. Yeah. Well, I felt like that had to be my thing. Like I needed a thing when I was young, and yeah. I, and I was that guy forever, and I was the guy that didn't turn people on to stuff. Yeah. You don't get paid for that. Yeah. You know. But I, I was that guy forever. You get yeah. paid in like cool points, but those devalue those by the devalue time you're in your thirties. Doesn't matter. No one cares if you're cool by then. And I got dangerously close to being that guy, right? Like that high fidelity, angry guy. record store That's guy. That's what right. you are. Yeah, you either so buy a record close. store or you let it go. Right. I feel like I walked right up to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I used to do a bit about that, where the the internet has killed that guy. <laughs> it has. The internet has killed. It's killed the snob that used yeah. to be a yeah. valuable person in yeah. your friend group. Like That's you had right. a guy where you're like, if we need trivia information, music information, there's our dude. And then at some point, you didn't need that guy because you just took your fucking phone out, and your 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 value just plummeted. Now you're like everybody else. Yeah. So like, I don't matter in a lot of ways Jesus that I I don't Christ. get those texts anymore. God what? Give me three bands I should listen to. Someone just opens up their fucking Spotify and goes, "Here's what's new." That's and you, I'm done in a lot of ways. No, I used to be. If Holy I went to Flipside yeah. and Burbank, I was worried about what I was buying. I was like, "Is wow. this cool enough?" Because if yeah. it's not, the dickhead at the counter is going to look at me like yeah. I'm a moron. Wow. Same with the Virgin Megastore in the '90s. Like you had to. It was not as cool as Tower, but it was like <laughs> working at a yeah, working yeah. at a record store was still sort errands. Shit. Errands. Yeah. Forgot about errands. Yeah, well, I had a, Amoeba I, killed Aaron. Amoeba literally killed Aaron. I remember when yeah. it opened, the, the employees like ran over there and begged, knocked on the door. I remember being in Aaron's when Ami- when they found that like someone was talking about Amoeba. They're like, "Oh yeah, we're done in like six months, so just buy buy what you need now." Yeah, I I lived on Fountain and Formosa at that time. Like, yeah, Aaron's was closing, and and I being that guy, right? I drove a postal jeep. Back in, <laughs> back in the mid nineties, for real, and it was right. covered in rock stickers. Yes, yeah. Grateful Dead replacements. Who's gonna do like whatever rock sticker? Yeah. And one day I walked out of 
errands in the parking lot, and these four dudes <laughs> were putting their stickers on my on my postal cheese. No way! And they thought that that was like uh, okay to do, and and they were like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> it's our band." And I'm like, "Ah, eh, don't worry about it. <laughs> whatever." So Just great. <laughs> yeah, it was covered, but that was. I, but yeah. I was that guy, right? You know, just uh, driving a postal jeep. Really? Come on, man. Yeah, I knew a girl in high school who got a postal jeep because I think she was trying to be like Lilith Fair Artie. Right. And she was a terrible driver, and she drove it into my friend Joey's garage door. Yeah. Like we're all just sitting there because she couldn't get it. <laughs> it was like a stick, and she couldn't get rid- all her numbers. Just heard, boom. And she was like, sorry. And she just, it was red and she hit the garage door. It was the most impractical. It was a go-kart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a job. I was a disc jockey at Denim and Diamonds in Santa Monica, <laughs> the country western bar, and also at the Old Red Lion in Woodland Hills, mm-hmm. so, which did a K-Rock. I did K-Rock night at that place. It was called the Beach Zone. So oh. Like DeSoto and the 101 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had to drive the postal jeep from Hollywood out to Woodland Hills Fuck. and I would because I could not take that thing on the one is the Canyon Club near there the Canyon Club is so in Gora Hills okay yeah. so it's not okay. 10 minutes past right yeah 15 minutes past yeah but anyway the long once you get up there it's all the same yeah, yeah. it's all like two, I, I would apart. literally like get over Coenga and then take Ventura all the way oh that is <laughs> such a long drive when you do it that way in a postal jeep it's like 97 yeah. stoplights that's what you get yeah, when yeah. you're in a postal jeep if you go on the freeway you're gonna overheat I'm gonna die yeah, yeah it's over they, that thing cannot go more than 43 miles an hour and all it is is a seat <laughs> the gear shift has like nothing it's just a, 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 a handle with yeah. that pipe yeah and there's not there's only the one seat some people would get I had a lawn chair okay. for my passengers. Yes, of course. Why not? That's safe. That's fucking great. <laughs> that is great. What did a postal jeep cost? Thousand dollars. Perfect. At the at the postal place on Sherman Way. It was like you were either gonna get a postal jeep or a bug. Well, you know, like I was a that, Carmen Gia. I you know, I did the police auction at, at Las Palmas. Yeah. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I did that nonsense. I've always before. wanted to go to a police auction. Nope. <laughs> no, you don't. No, apparently, no. It's grim. It's so grim. Wow. Yeah. I get the flyers for them that. in my mail. Yeah, no, no, I did that. I did uh. it and bought a, a convertible rabbit, <laughs> and sold it two months later to some idiot who lived on Franklin and Holland. Wow. Fuck. Yeah. Man. Good times. Yeah, dude. This is exactly what I wanted to happen. I hope so. <laughs> this is exactly what I was hoping. For. Yeah, I mean, you get an insight into like bands and like the people who listen to them. When you weren't there. Because I hate not knowing. It bothers me. Like, okay, there's always... I've, I think I've said this before, but like... There was a thing on VH1 about, about how videos affected rock. And it was like, Billy Squire was cool for a minute. Mm-hmm. But then he had that video where he's flopping around that room. Take me in your arms or whatever. And he's in like pastel tank top. And everyone was like, you're lame. And his career ended that day. Can I give you my personal story? Yes. On that point, yeah. exactly. So, Albuquerque, New Mexico. This is 1983. Billy Squire's coming to town, and Def Leppard is opening. Whoa. Def Leppard already had a big record with um, High and Dry, mm-hmm. which had Bring It On the Heartbreak and Let It Go. Huge in Albuquerque, because Albuquerque's a middle town. So they're opening up for Billy Squire. Get tickets. Pyromania comes out. Dang. Photograph is on MTV. Huge. Colossal video. Yeah. yeah. Billy Squire's video comes out at the exact same time. Billy's gone from the stroke to being in Benetton clothes, jumping around the bedroom. He's wearing white pants, and he's flopping around a bed. Yeah. We go to the show, Tingley Coliseum, same place. Place is filled. 
Def Leppard comes out there, the opening band, they blow the doors off the whole place. Amazing. They're incredible. Most of the crowd leaves. Wow. Because Billy Squire had just killed his career with that video. He spent the rest of the night berating those of us who stayed. Yeah. Because he was pissed. Whoa. He didn't under you. I watched him get mad about it. Whoa. And make fun or not, not make fun of Albuquerque, scold Albuquerque for leaving. Yeah. And it was like, dude, you're done. Yeah. You're over. Because Stroke Me was cool. Crazy. Yeah. Well, and he had good hits. Lonely as the Night was. He had like, he had like, a but good that career. video, he looked Killed so him. weird and stupid. Well, what year was that? Was early in, MTV? That was early MTV. That was wow. like 1983. Yeah, yeah, because it was the it was the it was the pyromania, and then they they then Def Leppard comes back, but they're just breaking on a colossal scale. They're about yeah. to become the biggest thing. I remember yeah. Don Henley giving an interview about how people were figuring out around that time, like MTV is a real thing; it's here to stay, and we have to figure out how to use it properly oh, yeah. in order to like make a career or watch it end. Yep. And he did it in a way where it like it made him as a solo artist. That rec- I mean his record was huge. Oh yeah, yeah. People that would have never listened. I mean Boys of Summer. Boys yeah. of Summer. He credits the the videos. He goes if it weren't for MTV, like my solo career probably wouldn't have taken off cuz people were not ready for him to go, so they wanted the Eagles forever. Right. But he was like it was MTV and the videos that really helped sell a lot of those records and sustain a solo career cuz he was just he was always uh, the brains of that operation anyway, the Eagles. Right. But he he pulled it off as a solo artist in the same way that Billy Squire ruined his entire career. Well, they, you know, def, when Duran Duran first came to the U.S., they essentially only went to places that had cable television. Yeah. yeah. Because the other places had, did not know who they were at all. Yeah. I l- loved Dur- Every year at my elementary school, they'd have a book fair and you could buy stuff. And all I bought were Duran Duran posters. I fucking nice. loved... My grandfather was like a woodworker, and I would take a piece of plywood, and I would draw John Taylor's bass guitar as close to the actual size. He would cut it out. I would paint it and pretend I was in Duran Duran. They were great. They were cool. They had that movie that I watched. or They had like a concert film, but they were so big to me at that time. Right. I didn't I didn't. Well, you understand. also had K-Rock, too. Yeah. Which and my brother was all, well, the reason I, that K-Rock was on around me. K-Rock plus MTV in L.A. just must have been yeah. back then. Oh, it was K-Rock, great. K-Rock was so huge. They like they led the way for all other radio in the yeah. country. Like when yeah. they broke artists, other radio stations and yeah. markets took their lead. And we that was just our station. Yeah, right. it was just our local well, station. You know, Chicago didn't have that. They didn't have a K-Rock type station. They were like when I was in college, yeah. they were just still classic rock. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was a kind it of a rare no, thing. Such K-Rock. a rare thing. Oh my god, K Rock was because now you can huge. listen to like any fucking radio station in America on the internet. Yeah, right? but it seems like now a lot of the radio stations have gotten well, they're now they're owned by yeah they've yeah. consolidated so there isn't like I turn on K Rock a I don't know a lot of the music that's on there and it doesn't sound terribly interesting at all and they don't even like a lot of them don't have fucking human DJs. Like the Jack stations, there's one of those in every city. There's right. some cities have Jills. <laughs> I swear yeah, to God, really? that's not a joke. Like we have Jack FM. There's Jills. There's all these others, and they just pre-record these DJs that go. If you like that, you'll love. Like you'll hear that same thing right. here, Toronto, DC, like all over. It's kind of sad. That's yeah. what I wanted when I was a kid. I wanted to be a DJ. Yeah, like the the uh, my parallel universe is. I mean, those people yeah. mattered. Jed the Fish, totally. They mattered. They told you stuff that were like, it's like you're gonna like this. Absolutely. I remember 
Max from Eve Six, Jed the Fish didn't like their like second record, and Max was fucking pissed. He was like, fuck, like mad yeah. about it because that was like, no, that guy's important. You know, like that. It, Richard Blade was important. Rodney on the Rock was important. Like those Tammy Heidi. That's why I used to call K Rock to request Eve Six before they got on the radio because yeah. we were friends. And Tammy Heidi wow. would answer the phone, and I'd be like, "Blam!" And she was like, "I know." Like all our friends were calling. She's like, "We hear you guys. We can't play them every ten minutes." Yeah, but yeah, that's they were like so important to. But you they at the would time. play Drama Rama every ten minutes. Yes, they would. Like I we can't play Eve Six because we I have to play. I don't understand why that song. Was I'll so give you. Can- I heard they that song yesterday. Still play it now. I know. It's probably on right. Now, but then that you know it's it, that other song. What's the song? These are all people who died. Remember that song? Lots of people who died. That song's died. tremendous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Never played that. But when you hear, it, you're like, this song fucking rules. All my friends. Yeah, yeah, they, and they uh, died. That? that is, uh, isn't it the, the, the? I think it's a one hit wonder. Diaries guy. No, it's something like Leo did the movie about punk band. I don't know punkish. It's like a hundred. But I gotta that, look it up. Baz Luhrmann did the always wear sunscreen song. That was good. That was a good song. Just him giving you advice. It was so Remember the good things people say about you. Oh, Forget right. the bad things. <laughs> yeah. Shit was good. Yeah, but I, cause I remember when, when K-Rock would do those weekends, it was either that Dramarama song <laughs> or How Soon Is Now would be one or two, just yeah. depending on how they felt. Yes. Like enough. For the winning one of 500 songs. Yeah. Was it Jim Carroll? Jim Carroll. Yeah. yeah. And Jim Carroll is the Basketball Diaries guy. Right. Great yeah, he movie. was a punk guy. Yeah. Punk, and then yeah. he—that was the Leo movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, I love that. The really good movie, actually. I haven't—I've seen maybe five Leonardo DiCaprio movies. Yeah, he wrote the Basketball and, uh, Diaries. I, that was one of them, and I was like, "Yeah, that movie's good. He's a good actor. Give him an Academy Award. Who cares? Yeah. He's good. Yeah, perfect, yeah. dude. I hope so. Nailed yeah, it. This felt good. Good. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I, get I, into I really Iron did. Maiden. Fun. I've decided to get into Maiden. I'm gonna start the first record and Rush. And Rush. You could, the, the same guy who who directed that heavy metal video that you referenced yeah. before, he did Flight 666, and he did Beyond the Lighted Stage, Rush. <laughs> okay. Both are flawless. They're great. They're really well-crafted. I'm going to go chronological. With Maiden, yeah. Well, I mean, you can maybe skip the very first one with that old singer, right? What do you mean? There, hold on, let me look up there. Did Iron Maiden have two singers? Yeah, well, they, they yeah. had Paul Deanna was the singer for the first two records. Okay. And then yeah. Bruce came in on Number of the Beast. I feel like I'll just do Bruce. Yeah, just do Bruce. Because of the fencing. And the flying. And the flying. This guy seems to be really on And it. the ale making. <laughs> but, but did they have Eddie the first two records? Yes. He's been there since the beginning. Absolutely. Then I have to start from the, the beginning. beginning. <clears throat> the yeah. first one's just self-titled. It's just Eddie chilling. Greatest right. rock illustration. Killers is a great record. Greatest yeah. rock Killers illustration of all good. time. Is the greatest, I mean, band illustration ever. I don't no mind. I don't mind some the of the yes covers. Also epic. Yes, but that Eddie is it. But there's no character. Tales of Topographic no. Oceans does not have this. There's no character. guy that's like, is he a good guy or a bad guy? That's the other thing. Yeah, Eddie can fucking beat the devil. Yeah, because all that art is. Sometimes he's a fighter pilot. Well, here he's chopping down trees in Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah great. That's, great. that's a fucking awesome shirt. I haven't seen that one. They are the Iron was, Maiden. It's it's it sounds dumb, but they are hands down the best rock T-shirts ever. Yeah, no one even. I mean, yeah. there's some the truly great. There are some great Metallica ones, the Pusshead ones, but Iron Ma- the Iron Maiden ones are hands down the best. Well, you know, the big thing is the event shirts. So they make special shirts for special cities. Yeah, right. So to have an event shirt like this is the L.A. event shirt from uh. 2008. That's what Tool's doing now. 
I did an event poster for the Kings of Leon, but oh, you did? did, yeah, for the bowl. Oh, that's fantastic! Because they did, re- I did one for the bowl, Red Rocks, and two other places, but they didn't, they didn't make that. They were re- the posters ended up being incredibly expensive to print, so they only made like a hundred. But they didn't make a shirt. I wanted there to be a shirt. I went to, I saw Van Halen at Red Rocks last summer. I want to see something at Red Rocks. It's like the best. It's I've like amazing, right? It's, in- it's incredible like otherworldly if you can get yes especially if you can get in the first like 30 rows yeah because it's shaped like that yeah so you're almost looking straight at the band because it, it just goes up like that but the amazing thing about red rocks is dudes especially in denver they love to party oh yeah so it's it's a party so i've seen rush there i've seen van halen there and some other bands. I would imagine it's, the level of like a Dave Matthews band at Red Rocks must forget be it. like forget forget it. it must be the forget worst. It. Forget it. They, Foo Fighters. Be, because of Denver, that might be the number one. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's insane. It's gorgeous. Dave Matthews band could make a living just playing Denver. Without question. Like five, six shows a year, make up a few million dollars and they're good. The entire crowd looks like Dave Matthews. Yeah. I, I mean, that's remember. the Denver guy. Oh, Patagonia is. jacket. I loved Tivas. Dave Matthews for a minute. For like I the drummer, I've only, I only I've only seen him once open up for the Dead, the Grateful Dead in Las Vegas in the early nineties because mm-hmm. we would go to see the Grateful Dead in Vegas. That's yeah, fear of I have the fear of the dark tour shirt. Oh, nice. Yeah, that one I found at a uh, thrift store. They yeah. are the the original ones are a commodity. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they are a they at this point they're a thousand dollars. Yeah, there's a Hawaii tour, Number of the Beast tour, in 1983 that pops up on eBay every once in a while because I'll go through that. I've sold made shirts on eBay. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Fuck. Yo, yeah. But yeah, it's such a cool shirt because it's like Eddie coming out of a tree. Oh great! Like there's it's just a dead fucking tree and him like coming. It's the fucking cool. The killers one to me that that when <sighs> I think Eddie, that's the first one that pops up. Yeah, that's the fucking axe, one. the messy hair. That's great. Yeah, I still need to find because he looks like a Hesher. He looks like a dirtbag Hesher that went to your high school and got and did too many drugs and then he killed people. They made to promote the new record on the Maiden website. They have a Donkey Kong style video game that you can play, featuring Eddie as Mario. What? Uh huh. Get and the you pick up fuck? instead of picking up like a hammer, you pick up a fucking axe. an axe or a pick up this. And the landscape is it's all done in that same style. Yeah. But it's like the killer's backdrop of that sort of urban blown out yeah. neighborhood. That's the video game. Fuck. What, what what's the straight jacket yeah. one? What the straight jacket Peace one too? Of mind. Awesome. That that shirt. Forget it. Forget it. That was one of those things I looked at. I was like, I don't know how to make that. And I draw really well. I was like, I don't know how they did that. I don't know how to paint that. I don't know. I know the guy made it up. He definitely didn't get a photograph of that. What the fuck? Why is this guy so good? That That's the thing. The illustrations, I was like, how did this guy get this good? Yeah. To this day, I'm like, that guy was so goddamn good. That's amazing. And they fired him. And he had to sue him. Such a bummer. Yep. Yeah. Well, this felt good. Spiritually. Yeah. <laughs> Learned a lot. Yeah. I feel good. Yeah. I feel good now. I, first of all, I want to thank both of you. Seriously, from the bottom of my heart. I could do this forever. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'm honored. This no. might be one of the funnest things I've ever done. I knew I was life. I knew I was gonna get what I wanted. Yeah. When he brought that up as a theme for an episode, I'm like, yeah, what are you cra- of course we're doing that. Yeah. Chrono- chron- chronology matters. Good times. Who led to who? It matters. That's right. Yeah. And who experienced what when. Context matters. Because we'll never be able to know nope. that. So but I won't know your experience. Because I, yeah. I was too old and creepy. Yeah. By the time you guys were getting, yeah, that's why I asked. I was like, "What was your view on the stuff I thought was like the no, god?" No, I felt yeah. bad because I was there. I didn't want to ruin your hang. <laughs> <laughs> so I 
I got out. <laughs> Ruined my head. Because I hated those guys when I was young. I love I'm it. harshing these guys hang yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. I hated those guys when I was there. That's and I never wanted to so be there. so funny. Yeah. That's and the one best day way I to put that. I, was, I don't want to ruin your hang, so I bounced You can't be the dude going to prom when he's a year out of high school. Nope. Nope. All right, all right. That's fuck. great. Uh, well, all of our music uh, fan listeners are really going to fucking love this one. Thank yeah, you. they really are. All right, uh, thank how, you again. Follow, how, where should they follow you on Twitter? At BlackSab67. Yeah. BlackSab67. BlackSab67. Fuck right. yeah. Thank you again. <laughs>